So, other than the bionic leg, mm-hmm. which I gotta say is pretty cool, yes. but we'll need upgrading as she grows up. Yeah, the yeah. bionic arm, which I think she can leave, mm. like having a tiny kind of toddler-sized robotic arm for the rest of her life is gonna be pretty cool. <laughs> and the bionic eye, which shoots lasers, I got nothing against that. Yeah. Yes. Is Ruby okay? Yes. With with all those caveats <laughs> that you just you help, helpfully listed, so I don't have to go over them again. Uh, yes, Ruby is is fine. Um, you can all breathe a collective sigh of relief. That was one uh, hell of a cliffhanger there. Yes. See, I, I thought you'd go back and add something to the end of that episode. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. So some might say that some might say that uh, using your daughter's health issues um, as a, a way of increasing interest in our podcast is is a cheap tactic. Yeah. Not um, one way beneath, though. Obviously. Yeah. No, my idea was just to say that and then leave it hanging. Um, <laughs> some might say it was a cheap tactic. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> She is no, she's well. Um, that those the issues that caused her to have to be rushed to hospital were acute. They were part of. They were the symptoms of an illness, a viral illness that she is now over. Uh, so um, unless she gets that particular illness again, um, she will be fine. Um, so yes, fingers crossed, toes, other appendages, etc., to the best of your ability. Mm. If you can cross your other appendages, um, I applaud you, uh, and, and please do so for my daughter. Um, she is she is well, um, happy little thing. Yeah, actually, it's it's she's uh, really come along actually in the last few weeks. It's almost like I've got a, a new kid. Um, just her mental development you know like oh, wow. she's okay. she's um, she's gone through another leap has she yeah totally like you can have a conversation with her now you know oh wow yeah you can sit down and she'll talk about something to you and you'll comment on it and she'll talk back and forth oh wow you know that's that's real progress it's, that's, in, that's, it's in, yeah. you've got your own tiny human there yeah yes it's like the sentience is sort of like increasing you know mm. um the flip that the switches are being flicked well some very important switches got flicked in the last couple of weeks um so she's, uh, she's yeah, just a lot of fun. She's almost like, um, she's a full toddler now, you know. Um, nice. She's not a baby anymore. G- g- but that can't be reasoned with still. Oh, like, absolutely not. No, no, no. There's no reasoning. There's no negotiations that go on here. Yeah. Like, I think there are some really important things that she has no grasp of. Like, the concept of the future is kind of beyond her. Yeah. You can't say, like, if you mention something that she really likes, like, say, um, chocolate or the park, you know, she'll be like, oh, where's the chocolate? Where is it? You know, and if you, if you say, like, no, no, that's for tomorrow. She's like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Where's the chocolate? Shut up. You know, like... As a 36-year-old, <laughs> I still have concept <laughs> problems with this tomorrow chocolate. I gotta say, Rob. Yeah, she's, so she's a bit tricky like that. So we've started... And, and the other thing is that she, she comprehends 99% of what you say around her. Ooh, boy. So boy, we, so you stop swearing, young man? I have had to stop swearing around her. I've had to... Um, just speak to her rather than than at her or like sort of around her, you mm. know, like you have to involve her in the conversation. Um, so, yeah, like just very cautious about what you say. Uh, but, you know, yeah, she's just super fun and couldn't I couldn't really be happier with her. So it's, uh, it's really good when they're interactive. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's so much work. So there's got to be some reward. Otherwise, the human race wouldn't exist. They'd all be killed off at about the age of two. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Yes. <laughs> along with along with the the path of destruction, which they all reign, mm. you know, there's there's something very cute and very interactive about them at that, that age and that yeah. level. Yeah, yeah. I always say, like, at the end of the day, 
when I when I spend the day with her, I'm tired and pretty much sick of her, but also like very happy. And yeah. I, I sometimes wonder whether I'm actually my most happy when I'm with her. Mm. It's a funny kind of happiness because it's not it's not the same happiness that you get from relaxing on a couch and watching a great movie or the kind of happiness that you get from achieving some sort of like really important life goal. And it's not a relaxing happiness either. It's not like, ah, everything's right in the world. No. And it's a a kind of a happy that you want to stop at some point. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's like happiness that you need a break from or something. (laughs) But um, yeah, like... Like just to put everyone's fears to bed, uh, she's she's fine. It did make our Christmas break extraordinarily stressful because um, uh, yeah, having to rush to hospital twice in, in one week, and they both involved like late night um, ambulance trips um, was not not good. And it did I did have to kind of confront a lot of you know pretty heavy stuff around like the the reality of my daughter being mortal. And that, you know, her time on Earth is not necessarily a given. Yeah. Um, that's some heavy stuff to comprehend. I think we generally assume that, that you know, it's that whole, like, it, it won't happen to me mentality that we all suffer from. Yeah. And when reality, you know, slaps you in the face and says, hey, you know, everything, everything that you have and that you hold dear is pretty much on loan, you know, um, that is confronting. So that was that was tough. And it did give this weird kind of harsh edge to the otherwise pretty pleasant sort of festive stuff that was happening over the last couple of weeks. So, mm. uh, yeah. So anyway, you can all stop worrying. She's she's totally fine. She's back to her usual self. Um, I'm glad to hear so, that. So, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a very odd experience for you to go rushing out the door. And mm. like, I ended up doing the rest of that podcast by myself, mm. which was... I never listened back to that part. <laughs> I listened. I, I yeah. made sure the audio was clean and I made sure it was good enough. Um, the audio, by the way, sounded completely different because I was like right in front of Mike. Yeah. And, you know, I was <laughs> I was able to watch my own levels because like Rob and I use the one mic and we sit next to each other and I have all these hand movements to say, speak in, speak out. Yeah. Head closer, all that kind of stuff. I have full control. So my voice probably sounded quite different, quite closer and... Mm. Maybe clearer, but not as concisely clearer. Because <laughs> I was like really worried about Ruby. Yeah, uh, I knew this was the only chance I was gonna get to do the rest of that podcast because mm. I was leaving the next day. Yeah, that's right. Yes, it all happened rather abruptly. Abruptly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and like so, I was like really worried and and was finding it very hard to be jovial and just started rambling and talking. And mm. I, if you made it through that. Like, good on ya. <laughs> because I yeah. don't remember much of what I said. I think I talked about a lot about what I was going to be doing in Japan. Mm. And I can say right from the outset that almost none of that happened. <laughs> yeah. You've had a, we've, we've both had tough, tough times, actually, over this Christmas break. But, uh, yeah, you've, you've had, a, I would say, probably the worst... So, uh, yeah, this. yeah. It's only the most stressful. Uh, so, basically, I got to Japan... And already, um, Terako was in, which is my mother-in-law, mm. uh, was in already in hospital when I got there. Yeah. Uh, and she was not doing so well. Mm. Um, but after a couple of days, like we visited her every day. We went mm. in there. She was always very happy to see May and Maria and me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a distant third on that list, but it's okay <laughs> because Maria is a distant second on that list after May. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and May and Maria were good. Like they're in good spirits. May is so active at the moment. Mm. She's so happy 
and she's walking slash, you know, half running everywhere. Yeah. The problem is that she only has a couple of rooms to do that in at the house and mm. everything is dangerous. Oh, like there, the safest room mm. has a hot water boiler on the floor. <laughs> that is the safest room. Oh, man. <laughs> so it, uh, and all she wants to do is go outside and explore, but it's so cold that you basically dress her up and she looks like the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man and <laughs> yeah. can't really walk very well. You know, over- overprotective Asian mums are a, mm. uh, you know, can be a, um, a stereotype and also a reality. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's okay, she doesn't eat that many legs. Yes, she does. What if she catches a cold? It's like, yeah. okay, all right, don't, don't argue with your mother. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I took her out for lots of walks uh, and she would, you know, I, I always say, hold my hand, hold my hand. And she'd go, okay, okay. And then she'd go, nope. And then like rip her hand away and then try and do a runner and trip over herself. Because yeah. she still hasn't got full coordination of her... Uh, of her legs yet yeah yeah so basically <laughs> long story short i got there um i had like a list of things i wanted to do and I, we were going to go to tokyo uh teriko was not so good but they let her come home uh, but she needed care pretty much all the time all she was really doing was sleeping so i canceled all of my plans in tokyo mm. i didn't go to tokyo and, and meet my friend or stay at uh, elchan's place yeah uh, i just canceled that and just stayed in guma to help um, just to help Teriko and help my wife and look after everyone. and Sure, yeah. So yeah. it was looking after a cancer patient. Like, she she does sleep a lot, but she also needs a lot of help getting up, getting down. Uh, Maria was helping her getting dressed a lot. Mm-hmm. She's very weak and very, very frail now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just before I went back, she was kind of in and out of hospital a bit, but she was trying to stay at home. She stayed at home for Christmas, which is special for May. Mm. And she was home for New Year's, which is special for all of us because that's like the main holiday there. So, okay. we, you know, that, that was good having her at home for that as, as much as the extra work was. Yeah. Uh, it was really good having her and having those memories of that with her. Mm. Uh, and uh, but by the time I left, she was shaking so much she couldn't hold her, like a cup of coffee and she, she doesn't have coordination anymore. So yeah. the day after I left, they admitted her back into hospital and she hasn't been out yet. Um, so Maria and May are still over there. Mm-hmm. So I'm back to where I was before, except even more worried and stressed. Yeah, because, it seems like a repeat, but worse. Yeah. It's like a, a sequel. I don't <laughs> think, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Maria and May aren't going to come back until she passes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when she does, I will just be on the first plane I can get back to Japan on. Mm. So that's not to say it's all doom and gloom. Like I had fun with Teriko when she was lucid and yeah. awake, and I, I, it was good seeing Maria. And as as stressful as it was, I did enjoy spending time with everyone. You'd rather you know, be there than I would rather be there and you know working myself to the bone. Like I was like doing stuff like waxing the deck mm. of like where you take off your shoes. Like it's oh, this wow. house is like almost a hundred or one hundred and fifty years old. Yeah. So a lot of upkeep. Uh, yeah. So mm. I was like washing windows and just trying to like trying to help Maria in any way that I could. Mm. And mm. a lot of times you go, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I go, no, I'm here to help. Like, you know, let, let me help. Yeah. Because she has a certain way she wants things to be done. Yeah. That's one of the problems when you're um, particular is that it's very difficult to accept help from people because, <laughs> you know, you have to accept that they're going to do it in a different way to you. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I did get to go and like do some game shopping and stuff like that a little bit. Okay. Uh, just when... Uh, just when Terrico was in hospital and sleeping, like we would we would go out, um, mm. 
So I've got a few things here and there, which I'll probably talk about a bit later when we talk about games. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, you know, it was we, we still got to an onsen a couple of times, had a hot bath, mm. which was very nice. Nice, yeah. Um, it did snow there Ooh, quite a bit. Yeah, it's, it's lovely until you have to deal with it. <laughs> like, walk through it, because my little shack... Um, and I, it's kind of like a little room in a warehouse, which they made up specially for me. <laughs> But I've been kind of calling it a shack or Willy's shack, like off The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. hmm, don't touch Willy. Good advice. Yeah. So uh, I keep calling it the shack. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, one of the things I really did miss was indoor plumbing for toilets. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> that's uh, You don't yeah. know how much you miss that till it's gone. <laughs> because there's basically like there's one in the house, but it's kind of off to the side of the house. And it's not plumbed. Right. Because the pipes would freeze during winter. So there's kind of no point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other one which I used, which is kind of like an outhouse, right. basically. Um, you know, and it, it, it is it does have like what looks to be like a normal toilet. It's just a pit mm. underneath yeah. kind of thing. That's all. Yeah. So uh, you know, when it's it's six below yeah. at night, and you really need to go to the bathroom, mm. and it's snowing, yeah. it ain't that pretty then. Mm, man, but uh, it was. It was nice to see the snow, um, but having I have my international driver's license, mm. uh, and I was doing a lot of the driving over there right. um, to give Maria a break. So uh, do you have to put like chains on your tires? Well, they have specific snow tires. Uh, okay. um, so you do, you can, there are chains for tires. There are uh, specific snow tires as well. So mm. a little we have a little four wheel drive Toyota, which looks exactly like a normal Toyota Yaris. Okay. So it doesn't look like it's a four wheel drive, mm. but it's like automatically program to sense when it <clears throat> does need to be in four-wheel drive mode so it makes driving in on icy roads a lot easier and i'm not bad at it it's yeah. just it it's it requires a lot of concentration especially when you've got you know precious cargo like your daughter in the back of the car going la 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 yeah. who's like seems to be testing like a diagnostic <laughs> on her verbal like oh, <laughs> man i could tell you some stories yeah <laughs> they toddlers don't make driving easy and you yeah. know, and, uh, and it's not, not like she's doing it on purpose. No. It's just like she's like making sounds with her vocal cords. Yeah, and Maria's going, "Is that normal?" And I was like, "I still do that occasionally." Like, <laughs> you know, my brain runs like a weird vocal diagnostic program on itself. <laughs> and just, Does this all still work? La 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 la. Yeah, it's fine. It's like with that first sheet that a printer prints out. <laughs> yeah, on like, like a test paper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly what my brain does, and obviously <laughs> May's brain does as well. <laughs> so one of the one of the cute slash annoying things we did. Mm. Is there is a a restaurant over in in um, in Japan called Kokuichiban Curry House, mm-hmm. Kokuichibanya, and I love this. It's my favorite restaurant over there. I only got to go to it a couple of times, mm. uh, but I decided to give May some of it. Now we know that she liked butter chicken curry, okay, and everything. So we decided to give her the kids curry. That was a mistake, right? Not because she hated it, mm. because she fucking loved it she was just like gobbling it up and going more 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 and, she, and then it's like for dinner it's like curry 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 oh god it's like she was demanding curry and then she was like refusing to go curry 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 it's like we don't have any curry just eat the udon for the love of god yeah so basically i've i've given my daughter a lifelong addiction to curry which is a stupid idea because by the time i was 25 yeah i and an addicted to curry uh, like only had two taste buds left that work <laughs> after a lifetime of curry oh, I basically gosh. ruined her 
Yeah, it's like when my it's like when Ruby learned the word chocolate. Oh dear, that was bad because every every day I was just like chocolate, <laughs> and you're <laughs> chocolate, and you're like no, there's none, and she's like chocolate. <laughs> like you, you can't. Ex- she knows the word, and yeah. the, if she says the word, she'll get the thing. But the reasons why she can't have it are totally beyond her. So like once again, as a 36 yeah. year old male, the reasons why I can't have chocolate <laughs> are still totally beyond me. Yeah, you got to stop asking me about it, okay? <laughs> Chocolate, chocolate. I tried to tell you there's none in the house. Yeah, right? There is. I've seen you hide some behind the spices in the cupboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once they latch onto a word like that, like like Ruby learned the word Elmo, um, because I have a little Elmo. Like it's it's a it's a short little book I bought for her secondhand from the church fate. It's about Elmo, and um, I read it to her, and she like loves this book. And for about about a month, like she just demanded I read that book to her constantly. It was kind of a hamster Huey in the. Gooey Kablooey, yeah. yeah. She was just like, Elmo? Elmo? And then she would like, when we put on TV, she'd be like, Elmo TV, Elmo. And then like, we have to put on shows that have Elmo on it. And like, just the fact that she learned that word yeah. was like a massive source of problems because she would just demand Elmo constantly. Now she's learned about the Wiggles and she knows the word Wiggles. Oh, so, yeah. So now she'll say, Wiggles? <laughs> Wiggles? So we got our own version of that, which mm. is, so there is television, which is in Japan, you say, Terebi. Mm-hmm. Um, and she hasn't mastered the re kind of um l phonetic yet so she goes ted ted tebebi tebebi <laughs> tebebi and she wants television obviously yeah. but there's this thing that we use to keep her quiet mm. or, or at least preoccupied that maria found on her iphone on youtube mm. called baby bus and baby bus is like cute little um cute little pandas singing kind of nursery songs and one of the songs is icky sticky icky sticky bubble gum which i, I think I don't recognize the song. I admittedly don't know a lot of children's songs. It might be like a well-known children's song. It might be for all I know. Yeah. I don't think it is. Um, but you go like a kiki 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 babaka. And it's very cute. But you go baby bus, baby bus, yeah. baby bus. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, you have to give this to her yeah. because you strap it down into a little chair. And yeah. in Japan, the tables are all on the ground. Like, they're only about, like, a foot or less than a foot off the ground. Yeah, yeah. And that's where people do their eating. So if you let her out, she'd just crawl all over the table. Mm. <laughs> and, and at some point, you'd turn your back for a split second and she'd be all over everything, knocking everything down. Yeah, yeah. So we need to keep her strapped into her, like, eating chair. And to prevent her from going ballistic, we would have to give her the phone with baby bus on it. Yeah. But the problem is she doesn't understand touch interface. Yeah. So she's like, she brings it right up to her eyes because she's sight impaired and just mm. see kind of flashes of color. Mm. And so she's going, mm. and then she would accidentally press like the advertisement button. Yeah. And yeah. she'd go, baby bus, baby bus. <laughs> and then you have to take it off her and like figure out what she's done. Sometimes yeah. it's almost like she was like 90% of the way of buying a product. It's <laughs> like, enter your credit card information now. It's like, you f- no. <laughs> Yes, I will give all my money to Visa.ru. <laughs> oh, those wacky Russian mobsters. Yeah. They're at it again. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it is funny when they learn, like, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. And it's, it's never more true with toddlers, you know? So this is something I've only just recently discovered, having a kid. And, of course, mm. it's obvious to everyone who has kids. Yeah. Not yeah. obvious to everyone who doesn't have kids or not up <clears throat> to that stage. Mm. You teach a kid how to do something. Mm. Like, um, Terrico was teaching... May how to unscrew the cap of something. <laughs> so you know, like if you Sorry. turn it this way, I tried it, to like st- I tried to actively <laughs> stop her from learning that. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
I didn't teach her. Maria didn't teach her. Who's going to teach her? The person who's not actually going to be around or able to stop her from doing such this. And the first time she did it, we all clapped because it's like, oh my God, she's figured out this thing that if she like presses hard and to the right of this thing, the cap comes off. It's like, oh, well, Segura, you can do this thing. And it's like, we need to screw these things on extra tight. Mm -hmm. Problem is, Terrico can't screw anything on really tightly anymore. So May gets it and then like tries to... (laughs) undo the lid no. and it just goes everywhere like so many lost like bottles of tea oh no um culture. and they just went everywhere and it's like you're so happy when they figure it out and then you don't want them to do it like ever again it's like good you did it once you can stop now but they won't yep. stop they'll never stop yep yep there's one another lesson I learned the hard way on a similar vein is um yeah well it's basically the same thing is you know if you give them approval for something they will assume that means they have carte blanche to do that forever. Yeah. So because you you were encouraging them, that's the thing. Yeah. Like the first time that, like for example, Ruby thought it would be really funny to like climb up on the couch and then like jump up in the air and land on the couch on her butt, kind of like a butt stomp on the couch, like a Mario kind of like butt stomp, you know, <laughs> and which is really funny the first time she did yeah. it. But then like after the fourth or fifth, you're like. This couch cost me $600. I kind of don't want her to break it. Yeah, hey, Bubba, yeah. don't do that too late. She's already thinks it's the best. And then when you tell her not to do it, she's just confused. Like, you will let me do it five seconds ago and now I'm not allowed. And they're yelling, yeah, yeah, now you're like, yelling at me. I, I was getting like approval. Like my approval rating went through the roof because it was so funny. And <laughs> yeah. I liked that response. Yeah, yeah. And they're telling me not to do it. You yeah. Know, it, it's very conflicting for a toddler. You have I'd to have imagine. a consistent message. That's the thing is like... Mm. When they do something, imagine them doing it a thousand times and yeah. then decide whether you want to approve it or not. Yeah. And the thing is, I, I, I have a very low say in, in these things mm. because <laughs> Maria is like, we need to teach her to do this and we need to teach her to do that. And I'm saying, yes, but you don't understand what the after effect of teaching her to do this is. She can replicate this experience. Yeah. So yes, but she needs to learn how to do it. Five seconds later, Maria's going, no, 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 no. Yeah, like there's some, like there are some things that like, like with the bottle thing, it's like, yeah, She's going to have to learn how to do that eventually. Mm. And so it probably is like a good thing that she learned how to do that. Um, but then there's things where it's like, like in some, like, but that, I mean, that suppose the other thing is that they're in some scenarios, opening the bottle, opening the lid of a bottle is like the worst thing you want them to do. Like yeah. if they get into like the, you know, uh, the cabinet under the sink and start opening bottles of bleach and things like that. Like, yeah, clearly that's not what you want. Um, or like, yeah, look, you figured out how to take the safety catch off this gun. Hooray, well done. You know, like, Luckily, less of a problem in our house. Yeah. Not so many guns around here. Yeah, I, I got a ton. <laughs> uh, you and your right wing, yeah. sh- right wing shenanigans, Bobby. Yeah, look, if, all I'm going to say is that I am prepared to fight for my beliefs. <laughs> there are no guns in this country. Yeah. We got rid of them. Yeah, we have, we have our water pistols. Our, our, um, our police force have very loud cap guns. Very loud. <laughs> they are very loud. They're they scary. can deafen you. Yeah, they'll scare you. Actually, knowing our police force, I'll just fucking knife you. <laughs> Especially our Queensland police Damn force. convict past. <laughs> it's not even real life. It's just a shank. It's like a police issue shank. It's just, yep. Like, you're disturbing the peace, sir. Stop stabbing me in the back. Sharpened their toothbrush. <laughs> Into a Police issue toothbrush. Deadly weapon. Uh, yeah. This is episode 50. Yay! Yay. We, we made it to episode. So episode 50, that's half a century. That's right. Of Game Life Balance Australia. This is stream of nonsense. I should say, it's not actually half a century. We haven't been doing this for 50 years, but it is half a century in cricketing parlance. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I meant in terms of like a cricket score. We're at half a century. Yeah, it is. I sometimes forget that people don't know cricket, yeah. including me, who doesn't know cricket. It is two. It is two years, basically, of roughly of of Game Life Balance Australia. Australia, yes. So we technically this wouldn't be our fiftieth episode. This would be closer to our seventieth episode, seventieth or eightieth or something. Yeah, we 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 chalked up a fair few episodes in our initial run of the show. Yeah, which was just Game Life Balance. Yeah, uh, no Australia. No US before we went balance. international. Yeah, before we our brand took off like a phoenix. Wait, <laughs> is that the right? No, we phrase? never died. Oh. It, it failed to take off in the first place. So it, it rose from the no. That's not any. No. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> back from the dead. <laughs> this was funny because what I like about this story is that at one stage, uh, like we had a sabbatical mm. between. Um, Game Life Balance and Game Life Balance Australia. And yes. then the US guys started before we did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we came back and uh, they were episodes ahead of us. Like yes. they, they, were, they were like far, far and away ahead of us. Mm-hmm. But then they had to take a sabbatical last year. So yes. we caught up. Yes, that's right. And I think we're ahead of them now. Yes, I think we're, I think we're winning, actually. Yeah, yeah, I, think it is, I think it is a race. Technically, we're better than them. <laughs> well, we believe in quantity, not quality here that's at Game Life Balance Australia. That's definitely true. <laughs> Oh god! Why do I why do I start fights? I can't I can't win AC. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So it um, number fifty. We don't really have anything special planned, but thankfully it is a stream of nonsense because that's what you and I kind of need at the moment. I think like, totally. I don't think either of us is ready for a, a, a proper episode of Game Life Balance. I only got back a few days ago. Mm. Like I got back last Sunday. We're recording this on a Saturday, so only six days, and yeah. I was pretty out of it that that day. I'll tell you that. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a weird time actually over Christmas and uh, New Year's. I think we've both come back a little bit shell shocked, a little bit kind of like frazzled. I got uh, I, I got to share two things with you. Mm. So like, I did my best over there, and I came back and I realized that uh, I my the bottom of my beard around my chin had actually started going grey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it actually, you could actually make out a lot of yeah. my hair. You could make a lot more mm-hmm. gray hairs out of my actual head, mm-hmm. and my hair had started falling out a bit. Not oh, in yeah. like one particular place, yeah. Um, but I noticed that my ponytail wasn't getting longer, and my, my hair seemed a little like not as thick and, and hard to group up. And mm. I realized that there were lots of clumps of hair at the bottom of the shower, like Shit. when I was over there, and I was like going, "Oh, it's not receding or anything. It's just like all this stress has just made me like go gray and everything." Totally. But, I cut the grey out, and I think there are less clumps of, of AC hair in the shower, so I think it's okay now. But yeah, that obviously that took its toll on my body physically, and I hadn't even like I'm not I'm not like completely salt and pepper. It was just one of those odd things, and I still have a full head of hair. It is interesting. You can't notice it. Yeah, but I did notice in the shower, like the you know because when you comb your hair when you have long hair, a lot of hair comes out. Yeah, and I was worried about this at first, and then I wasn't. But then even more hair started coming out. Yeah, yeah. And I went, oh, okay, yeah, this might actually be the stress thing that's it's kicked my ass a little bit recently. It, it does do it. Hey, it's sort of like um like having some real life happen to you. And I mean, like, real with a capital R. Mm. And when I mean real with a capital R, I mean, like, you know, bad stuff. Yeah. Um, it does age you, you know? <laughs> like, I remember my first long-term relationship, um, you know, big, heavy relationship. I was actually engaged. Um, this was back in when I was, uh, ooh, must have been 26, 27. Um, when that all sort of fell apart, uh, I went to the hairdresser. This was a, a few months after it all kind of, like, you know, had died in the ass. Mm. And my hairdresser was like, ooh, gray hairs 
And I was like, you're freaking kidding me. And then, um, and then, and actually after everything that's happened with Meg recently and, you know, us separating and everything, I've noticed I'm getting actually some silver streaks on either side of my hair. I have yeah. noticed that. Um, it's kind of, kind of starting to get that kind of Reed Richards fantastic four sort of Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to go that way. I think I'm getting one of those guys that has like silver patches above his ears yeah. and then like the top is going to be like, you know, the, the original color. I got to say, it's not the worst look though. No. Like, I, it's a bit distinguished. My goal is to go, is to sort of like age cla- in a classy way yeah. and not try and like dye my hair in that sort of pathetic stuff. Apart from anything else, like we're lucky as males, as part of the, as, as, as you know, standard bearers of the male patriarchy, we do have, <laughs> us. we do, yes, yes, us, you know, total macho men, AC and Rob, um, well known for our <laughs> car fixing and uh, soccer ball punching or whatever, soccer whatever, ball punching. whatever men do, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know any real men, <laughs> but the, uh, but, but uh, one of the benefits of being a man is that, is that we tend to actually weirdly get better looking the older we get. Yeah, um, I got to say, as a as a teenager and early twenty year old, I, yeah. I I don't hold myself in high regard. I think I look. Mm. I, I think about a year ago, I probably looked the best I ever did. <laughs> it is funny, isn't it? Yeah, like you know, your, th- your mid thirties is kind of like in a weird way the peak for men. Mm. Um, and uh, um, yes, yeah, so we're look, we're not the people to talk about gender and like how messed up all this stuff is but it is nice it is nice to know that from like from our like twisted society's perspective me getting some salt and pepper in my hair or being a silver fox if you mm. like um is not a bad thing but like as, as men yeah. it can go one way or the other though can't yeah it? Like, that's the thing like you can get the salt and pepper and age gracefully all, all your hair can fall out you can yeah. be a bald bastard exactly like you can you can either, you can either go george clooney or homer simpson it's, yeah you know like there's only two ways you can really go there <laughs> yeah yeah. And you don't like, like I don't know. Like this could be the beginning of the end for me. All my hair might fall out, and I might go completely bald for all mm. I know. I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> but for this short, brief, shining moment, I did have a ponytail, and I did love it. Yeah. Like, emaciated ponytail slash man bun. It's it's not like a full nineties thing that hangs out the back. I actually think you look like this is yeah. This is going to be a bit like bromance here, but this is a really overused term. Um, but. Having said that, I think you look really good with the with the bun, with the ponytail. Yeah, I think you. it suits you really well, actually. I took ages to grow it. It took me yeah. a year to get it this far. And I was so glad when I was actually able to get it and pull it out. And I went, you know mm. what? I'm actually really happy with this look. Yeah, I think it, I think it works for you. So I think I'm going to keep it uh, for a while, as long as I can, before it either looks way... I look like one of those weirdos, like one of those... Like, you know, those hippies who still, like, are balding on top and, like, kind of yeah. tie their hair back? Yeah. That's probably yeah. when I'll probably go, Yeah, maybe not, AC. Maybe it's time to let it go. <laughs> uh, that just reminds me of a, a Seinfeld quote, which I know you're not a huge fan of that show. But uh, George talking about how he keeps, he keeps, like, the, you know, he's got his ball, but he's still mm. got the bits around the sides. Yeah. And he's like... He's like, uh, you're hanging on to those scraps of hair. And George's like, these aren't scraps. These are historical remnants of a once proud head of hair. He's like, <laughs> he's like the ruins of ancient Rome. You know? <laughs> I like that attitude. Um, but it is funny when you do. It is particularly the, the hippies, that, that kind of crowd. They often will have like balding. They'll hang on to a it. A little ponytail yeah. at the back. Um, Which is their, their wanton right to do. Yeah, too. I'm not, I'm not judging. Uh, you can do what, what you want with your hair. Yeah, really. exactly. I'm going through a bit of a hair crisis right now, actually, where I'm not sure whether to cut it super short. Or to actually like keep the the length that I've got on top now and kind of hard be it from me to give style advice. Yeah. But I think you should keep a bit of girth on top. Yeah. Like getting it getting it kind of Yeah. Getting it cut really short seems I think it's a bit too a like bit drastic. 
I think there's an argument to be made that, like, you know, a, like a full head of hair, mm. um, you know, like I'm sorry to the men out there who are who are going through balding and things, um, but I think there is something about a full head of hair that is is, is attractive to women. Yeah, and um, otherwise you'd have to use your personality. Yeah, and like that's nah, not going to work out very well for me. <laughs> I've always been about the looks. <laughs> And then when they find out the real me, hopefully by that time I've already ran, cut and run. <laughs> I'm already like a, just a distant speck on the horizon. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think I think I will keep the length. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like when you go through a breakup or something like that, it's often the stereotypical thing you do is you kind of go through like a like a metamorphosis or something. And I, I, I think that would probably... You kind of need to regenerate yourself yeah, a little bit. exactly. It's like a Doctor Who thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you got to like, like, oh, look, this is Rob the Third. Ah! Yeah, that's right, now I've got a bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's just the same Doctor, except he's got a bow tie. But he's got a new bow tie. <laughs> that's right. If I start wearing a bow tie, please shoot me. Um, <laughs> I do wear a bow tie occasionally, but I, I, I go full hog and wear a vest and pocket watch as well. Yeah. I don't do things by halves. But you are, you are more or less a time traveler. <laughs> In appearance, at least. In, in, yeah, in appearance, I, I will give you that. But now with a man bun, you're kind of like a stylish, stylish time traveler. Yeah, I've know? kind of got. Sometimes I style yeah. it in that kind of old samurai way. Yeah, top knot. Or yeah, and, and you know, and Maria really seems to like that look. Mm. And mm. because my hair is so curly, mm. I don't actually need to do the man bun. So it yeah. kind of looks like a bun at the moment. Yeah, but it's not. It's but it's just, not. It's, it's just really curly, it so it kind of curls over on itself. So I don't even need to do a man bun. It just kind of does it naturally. You kind of get the same effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I'm. I think I'm certain though. I'm not going to go back to having longer hair because you did. You did have your own ponytail. I used stage. to have like proper hippie ponytail, like down to halfway down my back. And it was. Uh, you got to think about this. Mm. It was. Blonde, shiny, shimmery. It was basically yeah. a protein pro V. What did they call it? Uh, oh, pro. pro yeah, what is it? I was going to say pro am, but I think that's like a racing car company. Oil? Pantene. Pantene, that's it. Yeah. It was like basically a Pantene ad, like where Rob flicked his hair and it was like this mm. luscious, like golden rainbow. I think what you have to understand about me is that in my mid 20s, I was very much going for the pretty boy androgynous look. That was my thing. Um, to the extent where I did things like I would, I would like put lip gloss on my lips and stuff like. Oh, that. Wow, yeah. I never knew you went that far. Yeah, I was very much going for that, that, that look. Um, did it work out for you? This is in the middle of my modeling phase and everything. Looks sort of. Um, I think that the reality <clears throat> is that like most women are not into that. There are women who are into pretty boys. There, there was more of a, a thing about that going on in like the early yeah. mid two thousands as well. I think there well, was certainly a style in Australia. What's happening? now is this kind of like renaissance of like masculinity mm. which is weird because we're also it's also like the height of of like pc culture so there's this weird combination of dudes who look super masculine it look mm. like they just stepped out of the 1940s like big bushy beard chest hair like mm. flannelette shirt you know but they're like the sweetest men in the world and they're like uh, they're like avowed feminists and stuff like that yeah, so yeah. it's this weird sort of it's this weird <clears throat> blending of of the of the best parts of the past like the sexual the sexual kind of power of of the manly man, yeah, combined with the sensitivity, etc., of like the, you know, what are they, what do they used to call it? Like new, sens- sensitive new age guys, yeah, snags, snags, yeah, sensitive. totally. Because if if you had yeah. any emotions, like especially in Australia, where where we're all meant to be like macho supermen who can punch through walls mm-hmm. and, and fix cars and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. back if you had any 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 of these things called feelings. Yeah. Back in the 1990s, yeah. you were a sensitive new age guy or yeah. bloke. 
Yeah, which meant that you were, um, yeah, basically like ostracized from society. Like everyone would just laugh. You know? Yeah, you know, but it's uh, it's what they build as what women would want in the nineties, but yeah. not necessarily actually wanted. I think <laughs> there is, as always, a difference between what people say they want and what they actually want. Yeah, um, and that's a bigger topic than we can really reasonably get into. But I really don't want to go back to the nineties. The nineties were an awful, awful time. It is. It is funny thinking about that though. Like I did, I did very much angle myself as like like the the bishon and you know that kind of like long hair yeah. pretty face like you would have been so popular in japan i know yeah you would probably still be so popular in japan i know yeah i should get over there i could be, I could be <laughs> your pimp i could totally be your pimp uh your samurai pimp ixnay on the prostitution name look yeah like i think there are there are certain demographics where a pretty man is appealing but i think australian culture is not that Australian culture is still very much, uh, for as much as we have come a long way, I think the the traditional, like the stereotypical, let's say, Aussie chick wants a dude who's like masculine in a traditional sense. Who is mostly named either Shazza or Sharon. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And there is like, obviously there is a a spectrum. Um, But uh, yeah, I think think I'm committed to the sort of short back and sides look now. Yeah, I... Like uh, there, I think you would have pulled that off quite nicely mm. in your um, in your mid twenties. But, but now I'm like thirty, I, I'm thirty six with a kid. I don't think long, silvery, you know, kind of flowing hair would make you yeah. look like a Harry Potter reject more than anything I mean, else. To be clear, everyone at home, like when I say I had a ponytail, I had like I had like a okay, um, I had like Legolas from Lord of the Rings hair. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't like long hair, like a like hippie hair. It was more like, oh, that's pretty. It was like it was like it pretty. was well kept. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. it was it was beautiful hair. Rather, it was. Like, I will vouch for that. Not like rock, not like heavy metal hair. <clears throat> it was like I pretty much had. Like, it wasn't hair metal hair. It was no, genuine, like f- quite feminine actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of I've kind of kind of went halfway down your back actually. Yeah, now I've moved into like a very much short back and sides and trying to to be more more masculine which is weird because like if you know me even just listening to my voice you can tell that I'm not a super masculine guy I'm pretty like effeminate in a lot of my like mannerisms and stuff like that um so yeah trying to figure out how I pitch myself to the opposite sex is like a constant and probably like just a lifelong problem that we all have (laughs) um I do say pitch and I do mean the word pitch it is like he sets up a whiteboard and everything that's that's right he's got got a laser pointer got a a little portfolio you could have guys like this or like this that's right Rob the laser point is not working oh god damn some some batteries set of bullet points my pros and cons and uh you know (laughs) but these only list your cons gotta go that's right I I write really well within these particular demographics (laughs) yeah podcast listeners yeah that's funny Um, we're into computer games yeah yeah uh, yeah, so we could talk more about our physical appearance if we, we wanted we, to. Okay. I, uh, it's interesting to think that there are people out there who might not know what we look like. Yeah, our photos are up on the website, but then I'm pretty sure no one visits that website. So I don't even know what I look like. I don't look like anyone in particular. I mm. just look like me, AC. <laughs> I've got a beard. I'm tall. I have a bit of girth to me, but I'm not really overweight. At least not anymore. I used to be a bit overweight and I kind of got into shape a bit. Mm. I'm still a little chubby in some areas, but, uh, you know... I. I, I'm all man. Let me let me put it like that. Yeah, look, I would say you have you have like a sort of a like a, a presence, a solidity, yeah. um, which I like because I, my knees are really bad and I continually fall to the ground, mm. and it's good to have something soft to land on. Whereas I am kind of like a stick figure, more or less. <laughs> um, yeah, 
like if, just draw a stick figure and then just put like a nice face on it and then that's that's kind of me <laughs> but then fill that face with like a lot of really bad thoughts and, that's, that's <laughs> and latin yeah lots of latin yeah yeah uh, there's a, well, a bit of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was so, uh, there was this there was this quiz thing I was thinking of doing at one stage mm. where, and this would have to be done by both of us. Okay, where we would do our own quizzes about ourselves. Okay, and see how well we actually knew each other. Oh, like the thing that married couples do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That sort like, of thing. Yeah. How well do you actually know each other? Yeah, 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 yeah. What's your favorite? What's this person's favorite? Blah blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, uh, like if if. Mm. If, if I was asked to like say what your favorite color was, mm-hmm. I would go fuck. I don't care. I mean, I mean, I totally care. It's blue, isn't it? Blue. It's probably blue. It's yeah. probably blue. Yeah, you're right. It is blue. That's, that's my. That was my go-to answer for years. Mm. But I think it actually might be black now. <laughs> oh, because I'm just oh, such, Robbie's going I'm, emo. I'm such an emo. Yeah, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so like I'm so deep and moody. Uh, yeah, but I think I think you've got so like you've got the the Latin. Yeah, and the the smoking jacket to go mm. right out the other side of emo <clears> and go like into philosopher territory of like yeah. wearing like a, you know like smoking a pipe yeah. and wearing like a black dressing gown I've often and talking thought, about philosophy yeah because that's like the other side of emo it's like when you you go through emo town <laughs> you bypass goth and you just keep going all the way to sartre and you just get like existential <laughs> yeah exactly sartre existential philosophy is the end is the end of that yeah. yeah that's the end goal when one contemplates the futility of existence too much you end up reading sartre yeah and drinking red wine and smoking cigarettes and stuff and yeah i mean i, I did that and that was me in uni was like red, that was you in uni red wine and cigarettes um <laughs> i still do drink red wine actually i don't smoke cigarettes anymore but sometimes i crave them sometimes do you I still crave, crave them. them do you i do i think i think any smoker who's been a long time like a long-term smoker will still always feel the pull the cigarette lust if you will you know um but i, I i've been very good at, at resisting that so the, the very occasional cigars that you and i have is yeah, pretty much my, very occasional my one out there because i always i inevitably feel like shit the next day after yeah. i smoke a cigar um and I, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. Mm. I'll smoke cigars, but, you know, once again, you don't inhale. And I never feel like, oh, man, I really need a cigar right now. It's like, oh, mm. I need to celebrate something. Oh, well, I'm, well, you know. Yeah. We have a packet that Maria got in there for, like, five years ago from, <laughs> like, a trip to Taiwan or something like that. So, yeah, yeah I have one of those, I guess. So I've, I've managed to whittle down my the list of my vices to a, a short list. <laughs> um very very deep you know concrete sit <laughs> in concrete list let's say but i don't want to i don't want to reopen any any pandora's boxes i don't want to like because i know if i buy a packet of cigarettes under this notion that oh i'll just have one nah, nah i'll just be smoking the, the beginning it. of the end that'll be my like the path to my grave hmm. um so yeah I'll, although I, I do still crave the sweet sweet taste that delicious virginia smoke oh yeah <laughs> Sweet lady nicotine. Uh, but yeah, I, I've, I've resisted. And the funny thing is that when I tell people I used to smoke, their, their reaction is always, no, not you. you. You don't look like a smoker. Which is a funny thing to say because I think when people who don't look like smokers are people who don't have cigarettes in their mouth. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like, but like, I don't come across as the kind of person who would smoke, I think if, is what people are saying. If know. someone asked me to describe what you looked like mm. during the mid-2000s, I probably would have said, Jay. From Jay and Silent Same. Bob. Yeah, pretty much. I, pro- I probably use the word bitches like a little bit less. <laughs> Still a bit, but li- a little bit less. Let's be fair. I was pretty bad. I was a pretty awful person. Uh, I still am in many ways, but I just conceal it better. I, I just, I'm better at hiding it. 
I like um, how this this podcast has just become like a way to get you know this is who we truly are. Yeah. Why are you listening to us? It's, it's just like becoming <laughs> slowly reveal. It's like a relationship. Like I'm just gradually revealing my true awfulness to you. I already knew this. <laughs> this is you are giving me no new information. The only thing I have learned today about you is that you used to use lip gloss. Yeah. And that actually makes me feel a little bit better about you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I was like, I was genuinely like. Very much pursuing that. Did you did you listen uh, to garbage? No, no. I still was always. I'm always been about the hip hop music. Yeah, okay, and that's another weird. I, I am such. That, a, that's another dichotomy, really, isn't it? Because there, there ain't a lot of like blonde flowing pretty boys in uh, into into the rap music. No, I mean I am. I think one thing, a really good thing to know about me is that I am pretty much like um, a massive contradictions. You know, like this. Like for every element of my personality, there's another part that just is completely in con- in contrast or in 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 opposition to it. Mm. Like I think I, I said to you, this is years. This is before I even met met my uh, my former wife. Was that um, um, there's this problem I have in meeting women? In that, um, at, well, at least at that time, I was a Christian who smoked marijuana, <laughs> who was also into astrology, <laughs> and those three things. Pretty much in in aggregate, eliminate ninety nine percent of all the world's women. <laughs> you know, because most women aren't into Christianity, right? But those few women who who are like, I could date a guy who's Christian, mm. are super not into astrology <laughs> or smoking marijuana. <laughs> so between all those three things, I pretty much like the Venn diagram of people who are who would be possibly be interested in me. Like this is a tiny little speck. It's kind of like it's kind of like you know? when Smithers is pulling out all these names out of a hat. Well, who, whoever's the last name in this hat is going to be is going to be with me. Oh, Smithers. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like I I am I am very contradictory and sort of like, but it works for me. Like all these different things. Like like when you know me, you realize that there is like a cohesion there. But but for someone who's just met me they'd be like no what you did, no <laughs> but people have said to me things like yeah i can't believe that you smoked mm. like that's i can't believe that people have said you like rap music really i thought you would have been into kings of leon <laughs> was a very specific and very <laughs> insulting i to me anyway i'm sure <laughs> people who like kings of leon that's fine but What's it's kings of leon they're sort of like are they like gregarian like mon- monks no, or something like I, that or? i kind of wish they were <laughs> No, I it's don't sort know of they like are. Fairly... Are, they, are they Christian rock? No, it's like just sort of middle of the road, like indie rock stuff. Never yeah, heard of them. Yeah, um, yeah. People think I'm in sort of indie rock or like college rock. I could, I could see that about yeah. you. You well, are wearing a flannel shirt right now, but the, you know, so is like most men. <laughs> it is. I, this is so. The, the reason behind the shirt is I wanted to buy a black shirt. I like wearing black shirts, and again, yeah. this is. Again, the sort of midlife crisis. I just broke up with my wife thing of... Shouldn't you get a sports car? Yeah. <laughs> I can't afford one. The flannel <laughs> shirt is not looking for AC. This is the sports car of shirts. Um, okay. No, no. That's another contradiction. No, no, no. What I was going for is that, that you... I re-exam- I went back to sort of, well, what was I like before I met Meg? You know? And I used to do things like wear flowy black shirts and like have necklaces with like mystical stuff on them and things. <laughs> and um, And so I've kind of... Try to introduce a bit more of that back mm. into my my wardrobe. Um, just trying to look vaguely spiritual. It's a vaguely spiritual look, you know. Like he has beads, and and his shirt is slightly open. Like he's so <laughs> spiritual, you know. As, um, as, as someone who doesn't have a soul yeah. and is completely a you know, does, but you know, not, wait a minute, you have beads and an open shirt. <laughs> oh, mighty guru! Oh, that's me, baby. 
I, I am wearing uh, I am wearing medallion today with uh, with a Japanese warlord called Yoshitsune okay. uh, on it. And there's nothing spiritual about this guy. He was a, he was a, he was like a he was like a warlord, basically like a mass murderer. Yeah, basically, yes. Uh, I just like the look of this because it's got his exploits kind of um, oh, wow. okay in diecast on the back. Well, I'll take a photo of this and put yeah. it up as the the podcast image. And it's got like him like fording a river and like there's farmers and then it's like he, like him with a horse and him conquering a river and. It's kind of got like the names of his exploits with the family crest in the middle on one side and the other side is it's got his menacing samurai face. Yeah, it's not a happy chappy. And then it's got his name, Yoshitsune, and then around the outside are all his lieutenants. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, like, and that's all the kanji. Wow. Around. And it looks cool. Mm. And like, I just like the look. And Maria hates this medallion. Right. Because the guy, like Yoshitsune, looks creepy. Yeah. Like, it's just his face. He's an angry, angry face. He's a very angry young man. Probably not a young man either, but he was like a, he was like a... A warlord of, um, of you know, about three, four, five hundred years ago, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, like, like the Tokugawa, or right before Tokugawa period. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Around that time, uh, yeah. when you know, when I think kind of when J- Japan was kind of being unified. Yes. The wars that unified. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. And these were kind of his celebrating his campaigns, and this is just obviously, it's obviously not that old. But I just like the look of it. Right. Uh, especially with all the kanji around the outside. So I wear it when she's not around. <laughs> this is like me 101. It's like what I've been going through with breaking up. It's like, what are all the things that she didn't let me do? <laughs> it's not like I'll still wear it around her now and again. Because I, it's kind of become a joke between us. It's like, oh, me and your Yoshitsune have decided to go get some hot dogs for dinner. <laughs> it's like you and your Yoshitsune. You. <laughs> she's the, he's like your like, drinking buddy that she doesn't like you hanging out with. <laughs> you know? I think it might even be not Yoshinitsu. I can't. I'm not confident that I got that right. I may have been. I may have misremembered his name. Yoshitsune. Mm, okay. Man, I can't remember now. I'm trying to think of. I mean, my 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 knowledge of Japanese history is probably much worse than yours. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I am. Um, I know of the Tokugawa period. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that before that it was different. So I, I don't wear it that often. I yeah. just like wearing it occasionally, and I will still wear it around Maria. Uh, I just it's become a bit of a running joke with us. <laughs> it's funny. And I, yeah. you know, I'm not. I'm just not a spiritual person at all. It was funny because I looked at that and because I don't know, know Japanese, mm. it would be very easy for me to assume that there was something spiritual to do with that purely based on the fact that it has Japanese characters. Written. Yeah. Which no, is no, this, to- this is celebrating a mass murderer, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny that like that that's the superficiality of the Western sort of secular worldview is like, Ooh, Japanese characters. Or like if you saw Sanskrit or something equally, you'd be like, I bet that's something really mm. spiritual. It's like, no, no, it's no. just like the road sign or something like that. Or, <laughs> It's like you know, it's, it's their counter. It's their account system. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like don't park here. Thirty minutes maximum or something. <laughs> but you're like, ooh, spiritual. I might get that tattooed on me. <laughs> I would, I would sooner have a sign that says thirty minutes or your car will be towed, <laughs> rather than get like a kanji tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Because I can read, you know, like I know enough kanji to know that I don't want to get a kanji tattoo. Yeah, I think. Yeah, look. Again, I feel probably we're not the right people to talk about this, but. It is funny to me that uh, people in the West, um, um, you know, probably for very good reasons, are drawn more to Eastern Eastern religions or Eastern spirituality than to sort of traditional Western forms. Um, and that can result in weird things like that person that got a tattoo of like a Hindu god. I don't know if you saw this on, on the news, had a tattoo of some sort of Hindu god and was traveling through India and like got mobbed by like religious fanatics that were like insulted by yeah oh I did I, va- I vaguely remember yeah his like misappropriation of their god and this guy yeah. was like totally not religious at all yeah I just he thought, just thought, he it, just thought it, looked it looked cool, cool in inverted yeah. commas so 
just a good thing to keep in mind that um, although although we might think that there's a bit of a, a free-for-all in the West when it comes to like iconography, mm. to the rest of the world, there are certain images and certain things that are just not up for the grab. They're not up for grabs. No, you can't just, you, you can't can't just, just assimilate it. Yeah. yeah, totally. And we need to be conscious of that. What are, if, if I ever, yeah. like if I ever went completely off the rails and got like, you know, like because in Japan they have like awesome dragon tattoos. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought that if I went completely off the rails, mm. like just completely, uh, what I would do is I would shave like the back of my head right up to the t- the like the top of my neck, mm-hmm. and I would get someone to tattoo not a dragon, mm-hmm. but a like a Gua'uld symbiote from uh, from Stargate SG One, mm-hmm. which looks like a dragon right. from like the bottom down it kind of looks like a kind of a snake kind of dragon okay but like since the hair would grow back over the top you wouldn't be able to see the gold part at the top uh, which right. is where they possess people basically uh, and become okay. gods and right, i just right. think that would just be <laughs> a funny thing to have as a tattoo if i completely went off the rails but mm, mm. i would never do that it's just like a funny thought that i have occasionally yeah from time to time, I've from time to time I think about would I ever get a tattoo, and if and if I did, what would I get, and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I think, but I think honestly, like I, I don't want to have one. I think part of the reason that I contemplate it a lot is because um, it is very popular to have tattoos. Yeah, now. we see it all the time, and um, there is, and it seems to be attractive to to uh, many women, not all women. I think it's or, changed, like, yeah. from when we were young. Like, only when we were very young, only sailors got tattoos. Yeah. And, uh, and yes. bikies. Yeah, yeah, it was very much like, have you hit rock bottom or are you in one of these particular... Mm. And if, if you ever got a tattoo above, like, it, that was visible above the neckline... Yeah. Then you weren't doing a job that actually paid tax. Yeah, you're pretty much a criminal. Yeah. Um, yeah, but these days it's so common... Um, and you do see guys with, like cool sleeve tattoos. It looks very masculine and yeah. sort of very like you know powerful. Um, I would get a very small tattoo that mm. either said "Don't Panic" or "42" <laughs> or something like just a, yeah. a, a nod to my favorite book. But that would be yeah. the maximum amount of tattoo which I would get. I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I still don't. I probably, I probably wouldn't. If, I mean, if I want to sort of adorn myself with things, it'll probably be more along the lines of like you know jewelry or something than yeah. than tattoos per se because you can always take you can always take off a piece of jewelry yeah i change my mind so much about a lot of things that i like and i'm into and stuff yeah that i just couldn't decide on any one thing that i would want on me permanently yeah yeah that's fair enough. that's why i would say don't panic or 42 is just because like that's the one thing that i know that i've liked consistently ever since i got to know it how could you not like uh, the Hitchhiker's, Hitchhiker's Guide, Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's not going to go away. That's always going to be good. So, yes. But I don't know. Like, I just... I don't have anything against people getting tattoos or anything. Mm. Uh, and it's it seems to be getting to a point where people of a certain age, there are going to be more people who have tattoos than less. Yeah, we're going to end up being the odd ones out for mm. not having them. Which is fine. Like, you know, I don't have anything against that. Yeah. Look, yeah, I'm, I, I have no strong feelings, really. I think there was a time, maybe five or ten years ago, where um, a girl with tattoos was a bit of a turn-off for me. But I've noticed that that's kind of changed. Um, but what about you personally? Would you be... That was ten years ago, but now are you kind of more open to the idea of a girl with tattoos? Yeah, like, I think I am. Yeah, because I've, I've, fa- I've found myself... So, so society has changed your view on this there a bit? Are, yeah, I think there are certain contexts in which tattoos can be attractive. Mm. Um, or it certainly look it it projects a certain image that can be attractive. Like like if you have particular kinds of tattoos, it can say something about you that like it puts you out there as like you know oh you know you're a very kind of like 
free thinking, like individualistic kind of person. Um, and, uh, you know, if that gels well with the rest of your personality and stuff, that can be, it can be attractive. Yeah. I think, um, I think in the past I saw it more as like a confrontational thing. Like people were getting tattoos as kind of like a, like a punk rock thing, like a, like a look how ugly and weird I am. Screw you if you don't like it. Like, you know, getting a, like same with the getting like really weird facial piercings. It was like, it was like trying to upset people with traditional or conservative values yeah. as like a statement. Trying to be in your face about it. Whereas now I think tattoos are more like aesthetic. It's more, it's less about making a statement or being shocking hmm. and, you know, for the sake of shocking people and more about just incorporating tattoos into your overall aesthetic of who you are and the kind of image you want to project. Hmm. And so I think it is becoming more attractive because people are using tattoos in a different way, less to be shocking and more to enhance their physical beauty or their physical appearance. I think it's also yeah. to like to solidify a certain part of their identity as well. Mm. Like I really like this thing or this thing means a lot to me and I want it to be a part of me always, yeah. visibly as well as mentally. Yeah, yeah. So I think that has a lot to do with it. But you know, mm. also these things and you you know, if you get one at 18, by the time you're 25, you may have a completely different world outlook. Yeah. Which is why, you know, tattoo laser clinics have also you know, yeah. been going over a thousand percent That'd popularity be... in the past yeah, you know, ten actually, years alone. If you're contemplating a future course of career, kids, um, if you listen to the laser show, tattoo removal, yeah, that's probably going to be a growth industry. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's funny that. Hmm. Do you want to take a quick break? I think we will. Yep, yeah. I was heading towards that. Uh, we will come back and talk about some gaming game games. Yeah, we have actually got some games to talk about for once. So I got it for a buck. Yes. Well, not even a buck. It was a hundred yen, <laughs> which is actually like a dollar ten in Australian yeah. money or something, but less less than a US buck. You'd be a fool not to buy it, really. Well, I mean, the making of Star Wars and the making of Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. all pressed onto the one glorious laser disc. Mm-hmm. How could anyone refuse that? That's right. Especially when it was bought to you by. R2-D2 and C-3PO. That's right, yeah. It's like, yeah, that Star Wars making of was... Uh, it was special. Yes. It was made in the 70s, like about a year afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it, it had uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO kind of as the... They weren't the narrators, but they were like introducing the segments. Yeah, they kind of... And when there was a gap between segments, they kind of did like what I would call like very bad sketch comedy. <laughs> like uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 talking about the movies... But also acting like all of the movies, what happened, actually happened. But, also, but it was still a movie. But still, yeah, it was like the most fourth wall breaking. <laughs> it was very thing. confusing, actually. Oh, man. It's, it's something. It's really something uh, to see that. Um, not many people have seen that, though. So uh, we, are, we are privileged. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, yeah, it was made in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got... Not only did I get a laser disc of this, not yeah. only did I bring it back to Australia, but, drumroll please, I have a working... Laserdisc player, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like, I why do I own this? So here's the thing: like, I'm part of a Laserdisc group on Facebook called Laserdisc Forever, <laughs> uh, and like, uh, I was added to it by another friend of mine 
uh, an American friend of mine, and they are the nicest people ever. Like, they just, like, Laserdisc collectors have no reason to exist now that DVD <laughs> and Blu-ray have come out. <laughs> but they just love collecting these big kind of almost poster-sized boxes, like, mm. with, you know, the Criterion editions and, like, you know, keeping their Laserdiscs in spick-spock form. And it's just so amazing that these people exist. And they're just such a nice bunch of collectors. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that kind of inspires me sometimes to kind of look out the normal... You know, go outside the normal medium. Well, it's funny because I, I assume that that anyone who was doing anyone who was into laser discs um, for like the social esteem or whatever is kind of like <laughs> you know now moved on. <laughs> so like the people who are into it are genuinely into it. Yeah, they're genuinely they they like the quality. Yeah, because it's not it's analog quality. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, so good news. Mm. I do own the original Star Wars unedited trilogy on laserdisc mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the bad news is that it's basically just the same as the 80s uh what like the video home the, video the release. Yeah, releases, it's, it's not yeah. like directly off the film it is analog it's not digital but uh you know it's not in widescreen or anything like that mm. uh the best quality unedited Mm-hmm. edition of Star Wars original trilogy which mm-hmm. you can get is a laserdisc version oh, okay. that they released in 1993 or 4 I think right. before they were modded okay and they are they are taken from like the original negative or like or like an early print right enough that you know it is in widescreen and it does look good like and the resolution's you, good if yeah. you have like an RGB connector to your laserdisc player like okay. this comes out very crisp and yeah. so those those particular pressings are quite uh, sought after, but they're also it's Star Wars, so a lot of them were made. Mm-hmm. So it's not like completely outside of the realm of possibility. Yeah, it is a shame though that those original cuts of the film, like the theatrical, the cinematic releases, if you like, the original trilogy, are. Um, it's hard to get a copy of those in good, good well, nick, you know, ten eighty p or something. Like it's just not you just can't get that. Anymore. Yeah, you have to deal with you know CG Jabba the Hutt. Um, talking to Han Solo and all that stuff. I don't stuff. want that. I, I, I kind yeah. of like the way the original looked a bit gritty and a bit lived in. Yeah, I like the, I like the uh, practical effects. Mm. And uh, look, yeah, well, this is, again, not, not the time or place to go into like the prequels. But I think there was some there was a charm to those practical effects and to the, the puppetry and the, and the robotics they were using that it's not there in the, in the prequels. Like... They're going for it and they're trying to get that same vibe mm. and they succeed to a certain extent in making it feel like Star Wars. But, you know, a, a big pub full of weird alien puppets is Star Wars to me. Yeah. You know? yeah. And like, and uh, and if CG can capture that feel, then it works. But if CG doesn't capture it, then it doesn't work. Yeah, because um, no matter what you do with CG, it's not visceral enough that you can believe people are interacting with it on any sort of meaningful level. You can always tell that it's yeah. CG. You it's know. always too perfect or too yeah. off kilter or yeah. kind of too uncanny valley sometimes. Mm. But, you know, ours is not to reason why. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to bring up the fact that I had a working laser disc yeah. player. And I think <laughs> I, I have a couple of other lasers. I have the mm. Back to the Future trilogy mm-hmm. on LaserDisc because I, I own, like, Back to the Future on almost every format except film, I think, at this stage. Right. And possibly beta. 
Okay. I don't. But it's original trilogy. I don't think three or two may not have come out on beta. I'm not sure about that, though. Right, okay. Uh, but mm. I will get some film pressings one day. Hmm. That's on the list of things. It's on the list of things that I just kind of vaguely look for. Okay. I might get my hands on one day. I need a projector as well to actually project it. <laughs> yeah, this way madness lies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's only for one thing, so I probably don't need it. It was, it was just like, I got ended up getting like so many other editions of like Blu-ray, mm. special edition DVD, Japanese edition DVD, which came with like a number plate of like out of time and like like several VHS recordings of like original and then widescreen. Yeah. And I kind of went, wow, look at all these Back to the Future things I got. Uh, I kind of feel like I'm under some kind of weird obligation to try and hunt down some more. <laughs> yeah, I suppose once you open that door, it's hard to close yeah, it. Yeah, there in madness lies. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, look, let's actually get on to video games. All right, let's do that. Um, let's do a sharp pivot. We, we shall, because I couldn't think of any way to segue... Uh, to thank Cody Goff, uh, host of Game Life Balance US. Our sister show. Our sister show, yeah. The US, the US version of the Game Life Balance podcast. So we were gifted uh, some games on Steam for Christmas. Mm-hmm. It was very nice of our, our, yeah. our counterpart. I totally didn't reciprocate, which I feel bad about. But maybe I, I should buy him something. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think he wants that. I don't think you need to. Um, I've, I've already done that on our behalf anyway, which I'll talk about in a minute. I'll give him a lovely kiss when I meet him in person. He'll like that. A lovely, lovely kiss. Right in front of his wife, too. Make yeah. sure it lingers. Oh, I'll look her right in the eyes as so I do it, too. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that like a domination thing? <laughs> it's like, this is my property. That's right. You can't have my property. I'm, I'm like a dog. I'm just like, this is, I'm marking my territory. And- <laughs> Put it back in your pants, Rob. <laughs> so, <laughs> that got weirdly, that got really odd. Every time we bring up Cody, it kind of gets, it gets odd. It gets weirdly sexual. So, the basic, <laughs> the basic way it works is that Cody equals sexy. And Uncle Stavo Martin equals drug dealer. <laughs> and but that's not even, I love those guys. But that's not even a joke. He actually is a drug dealer. So please, please investigate him. <laughs> yes, pharmacist, drug dealer, whatever. It's all the same, really. All the it? same. In America, it is oh, political. I'm going to get some uh, zing, some nice, nice paracetamol, baby. <laughs> oh. Love, uh, give me some of that sweet aspirin. So, what did uh, Cody? Cody was kind enough to gift you with a copy of. <laughs> we are idiots. Yeah, we I'm are... trying to get us back on track, Rob. I'm trying. So, I just want to apologise to Jonathan, Uncle Stabo Martin, because we are both giant idiots. <laughs> giant idiots. He, I know for a fact he doesn't listen to this show. Okay, that's fine then. <laughs> because every time Cody mentions something. Jonathan, uh, he tra- he tries to act like he's not surprised, yeah, but he's totally surprised yeah, by whatever yeah. information Cody's giving That's him. To- I wouldn't listen to our show either if I was him. I think he's just a very busy man. I think yeah. he barely has... I don't think he listens back to his own show. He just yeah. has time to do his yeah. own show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you were gifted uh, from the wonderful um, Wizard of Cody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stellaris, is that correct? That's right, Stellaris. Yeah, it's on my, it's on my wish list. Um, good choice, Cody, because I have a few games on there and... Uh, it's one that I have been pining for for um, well, a couple of years now. I think it came out. I want to say it came out in 2016, maybe. Yeah, 2016. I want to say maybe. Okay, yeah, maybe early 2016. So, and it's by the same developers as Crusader Kings. Yeah, it's made by uh, Pan- uh, Paradox. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I almost said Pandora for some reason. Paradox. Um, yeah. So, but it is. Um, we covered we covered uh, Crusader Kings two a couple of podcasts ago. Um, and we described that game as being, you know, quite um, difficult to get into yeah. and kind of overwhelming. Um, this game is very much, out of all the Paradox games I've played, it's the most approachable. And I can see someone who is not, who, you know, someone who would look at Crusader Kings and go, oh, nah, this ain't for me. 
might have an easier time with Stellaris for a number of reasons. I mean, prime, number one, it doesn't look like Crusader Kings no. or Europa Universalis or really any of the... But that's good. I mean, Paradox you'd want something games. a little bit different, wouldn't you? Totally. If, it, if it's a completely different franchise, you wouldn't want it to be Crusader Kings in space. This is very different to that. Because, I mean, it, it is interesting because it's the first time they've moved away from doing something historical. Mm-hmm. As far as I can tell. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. This this is the first game they've made, you know, a grand strategy game anyway, that is not set in a historical period. It's set in... It starts in 2200 AD. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, you're yeah. colonizing space. It's it's a weird thing, right? So so yeah. I mean, I can just try and describe the game. It's always hard to describe paradox game for that notes because they're so like huge yeah, in yeah. scope. But essentially, it's a randomly generated galaxy, as far as I can tell. I think I'm pretty sure it's randomly generated. Mm-hmm. Um, so every time you play, it's different. Um, you can play as a number of preset alien. Or human, you can. There's a number of alien civilizations. I'm guessing you and there's one human. human. So yeah, my first game, I decided to play as this sort of pre-made human faction because I thought, well, I'll do the sort of Star Trek thing first, and then I'll play as like a weird, randomly generated alien race and see how that is. Because I, I have a feeling that the weird procedural generated stuff is where the real game is. The game is, yeah. Because like, oh, I'm I'm a weird like spiritual autocracy or something like that, you know. And we're gonna like conquer, we're gonna con- conquer the, the galaxy with our like hippie spiritualism or something, like, huh. um, because like all the alien races I've met so far have been have been very different. It kind of sounds a bit like space sim. It is. It is a space. Like it's civ- like, sorry, civilization. It is space like a, sim. Yeah, I mean there actually is a game called Galactic Civilization. Oh really? Which okay. is basically basically that, in yeah. space. Mm. This is more like yeah, kind of like kind of like uh, Crusader Kings in space. Um, there is an emphasis on the individual characters, right? So, like, your science officers that... I should probably back up a bit. So, basically, <laughs> the way this game works is you have... You, you start out in a home planet, you know, orbiting a sun, etc. Yeah. And from there... And you start out with enough technology to kind of, like, start exploring space. Um, so, you're at that point where where your your race is able to, to start traveling between stars. Um... But the first thing you do is sort of explore your own solar system and, and so forth, and then you and you sort of start to branch out. You don't you don't know any alien races to start with, but as you proceed, you um you might bump into aliens, and it's not it's not preset. This is this is procedurally generated, so you know. Again, so they they might like pursue diplomatic contacts, or they might attack you. Or- yeah, yeah. Like for example, the so the first alien species that I met after exploring a few different star systems was a group. A, it seemed to be sort of semi-intelligent um, interstellar like whales that sort of like travel from star to star okay. and are not sentient or at least they're not able they were not really like a playable race they're just this weird alien creature that I encountered I think they had something similar on Doctor Who at yeah, one stage this is what the vibe of this game is like it's kind of like that Star Trek-y Doctor Who-y like the universe is weird and full of, full of and full of, of weird yeah. stuff you know and it's not just it's not just you know, Star Trek aliens. It's not just like people that look like humans but have like weird face makeup. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's a lot of weird shit out there, right? And and there's a lot of like strange scientific like like mysteries to explore. Yeah. So I found these sort of space whales or whatever, and I like had to research them. I sent like my science ship to like sort of study them, and from that we learned about their race and learned that they're not like a threat. But we also we also were able to like develop this particular technology that I got my like some of my scientists to study 
that enables our starship like my my like fleet can now use this particular type of weapon based on something we learned from those aliens oh, okay so it's just kind of this gives you a sense of what the game is like. I kind of like it. Yeah, yeah. and then so we, we eventually have you into tried us. to take over another civilization yet, or yeah. have you Ooh. tried to attack someone? So I've ran into a few alien species. Yeah, the first species I ran into was um, like extremely xenophobic, but also um, isolationist. So they they think that all other aliens are like inferior and like uh, disgusting. Yeah, but they also just want to be left alone. So they look like when they talk. So they're kind of harmless in that yeah. way, aren't they? And they're these weird bird creatures. They're like mm. av- they're avian in their like genetics. So they've got these weird beaks. They've got eye- like multiple sets of eyes and blue. Feathers. So there's no point really in establishing diplomatic contact. No, it actually it actually says like whatever you try and do with them, they will just reject it. Yeah. So they just want to be left alone. So did um, you try and attack them? No, <laughs> but I try. I just try to keep them on side, basically. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, it actually gives you one of the stats. It gives you is like are are they more powerful than you? And the answer is yes. They're more they're superior to me in their military power, yeah. but not superior in technology. Um, so if I invested heavily in my fleet, for example, I might be able to beat them. But they want to be left alone. So I've just kind of like ta- adopted the stance of just let leave yeah, them be. Yeah, I counted another point. Yeah, uh, I counted another species that was another avian species that is super militaristic, and they're like their whole thing is like all all other aliens are scum and must be eradicated. No oh dear. And they are not at war with me yet. Yeah, I say yet. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm certain that they're going to head that way because of their like their ideological sort of stance. So have, um, have you? But like, I have that one group of people that are cats, and they're cat people with like they look like lions with like dreadlocks, huh. and they are like that sounds own, like something from Wing Commander. Yeah, they look like the Kilrathi or whatever from <laughs> Wing Commander. Yeah, but they're um they're cool. They're like they're Democrats. Yeah, and they're like obsessed with science and like discovery. And their sort of thing is like if you. If you share- this sounds like what happens to like the internet if it gets if it goes too far here on Earth. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like-, like people people transform into cats. <laughs> yeah. Look, it is fascinating. So the the cat people I'm trying to become in cahoots with because they're the most reasonable out of all the yeah. aliens I've met. The other two, the bird people, both of those species seem like threats. Yeah, potential threats. And since I met them, I've started researching a lot of military stuff. Whereas before I was going full science. Now I'm like, better research those deflector shields, yeah, and laser yeah. beams and stuff. <laughs> Um, that but, sounds like a lot of fun. But I've got like a defense pact with the cat people where if they get attacked, we will we will join the war. Yeah. And if we get attacked, they'll join the war with us. So okay. hopefully that will deter these like super racist bird people. That are- <laughs> well, it sounds yeah. like they'll, they'll be fine. I'd be more worried about the other... Like, are, are the other people, the other aliens mm. who are completely like, uh, you know, think all other aliens are scum mm. and warlike... Mm. Like you, they're probably going to attack you, but are they technologically superior or no, they militaristically? They're, superior? they're militarily superior okay. again, but I think technologically we're pretty much on par. Okay, um, but they have a lot more. Their their empire is much larger than than mine. I mean, also they have a yeah. they have a grand amount of hatred for you as well. Yeah, and it's not it's not as interesting thing is that it's not just their xenophobia. It's also because their political system is so opposed to ours. Hmm. So they're like um they're like a total autocracy. Ah. Whereas we are like diplomats but we also one of the traits that the human this and this is again like this the, the pre-made human race that the game gives you yeah is that we're like not just democratic we're like radically and super obsessed with democracy which kind of is kind of like it's kind of like what western secular societies are like, yeah. like democracy is the best we're going to spread democracy everywhere everyone's going to become democrats and like that's super threatening to the auto- autocratic yeah i can see it's like yeah you and know, we're also threatening like, our power base our, and we're also our whole like, society uh, we're also obsessed, like fanatic, like something like fanatical egalitarian. 
So we're fanatically obsessed with this idea that everyone's equal. Yeah, yeah. And so, and that is again opposed to like some of the other belief systems as alien species where they're like, no, no, there's this elite that are meant mm. to run the society and everyone else is scum. And like, you know, and so the bird people hate us not just because we're aliens, but because our belief system is so opposed to theirs. Whereas like the cat people's system is close enough to ours. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we'll be allied with you. Like yeah. they're democratic, but they have this like different, we have representative democracy, whereas they have like direct democracy. Where, like oh, okay. everyone votes on everything. And so it's a little bit different. And their obsession with with science, like they aren't egalitarian the same way that we are. And yeah. their obsession with science is like a almost like a religion to them. So it's it's really interesting these political systems and belief systems that the game gives you, and you can kind of steer your. your so is there an end goal to the game? I again, like a lot of these paradox games, the end goal seems to be whatever the hell you make up. Yeah, but I assume survival um, is probably a big one. Um, Doesn't necessarily have to be galactic domination. No, no. Mm. I think I think just creating a stable base for your society and not being like wiped out. Um, I, I remember you, you sent me like over mm, line yesterday. You yeah. sent me a um, like a picture that said Neo Canberra. <laughs> yeah. The name of this planet. And I said yeah. destroy it. And you went for this white planet. Destroy <laughs> that planet. So my two my two colonies. Yeah. So I have one in the Sirius system, uh, which is called Bailey's Folly. <laughs> Okay. Because yeah. that was my first colony and I was like, I'm going to fuck this up. Yeah. Did you so fuck it up? I'm pretty sure I did. I'm pretty sure I placed my... So, you, when you when you uh, try to colonize a planet, mm. it gives you this set of tiles. It's very simple. It goes, here's a four by four grid of tiles and that's the surface of the planet. And some of the tiles have like food or energy or some of them are like inhospitable. Like it might have like da- dangerous alien like creatures living there or like a volcano or something. I planted my city on the food, like the one with the most food, because I yeah. thought, oh, that'll be good for my like new colony. But what it does is actually eliminates the food that's there and replaces it with a, with like your starship. Oh. And I was like, damn, that's where I should have built my farm. So I already kind of messed up. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, so I'm, and like, there's also other. You basically, things, like, landed and crushed your there. Where all the food is? Yeah, land there. The I banana, destroyed all the food with my spaceship. <laughs> the banana plantation just gets eradicated. But I think that start that system is a um like a tropical jungle type world. There's another world that I'm colonizing, which is much more like Earth, which I think is Barnard's star. Another like very close star to Earth. And that one is like a continental world. Okay. And that one's Neo Canberra. Okay, I can't believe it. (laughs) Because I just thought it would be funny. And like, I'm naming my star... Like, this is my tradition that I started in FTL of naming all my starships after like politicians that I dislike. (laughs) Because I th- it, it started when I noticed that, like, the, the United States named one of its aircraft carriers the USS Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Which is a president that I have some sort of ideological issues with. Yeah. So, I thought it would be funny to name all my starships in FTL, like, USS Tony Abbott or USS John Howard. <laughs> oh, and like Because it's just funny to me to, like, have a, like, a starship named after a really conservative politician <laughs> that I intensely dislike. Yeah. So I haven't named any any starship Donald Trump yet, but that's probably going to happen. That, that'll. that'll um, but that'll I did have on. I did have USS um, Mal- Malcolm Turnbull. <laughs> that was my colony ship yeah. that was going to Neo Canberra. <laughs> um, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I'm going to keep keep it up. I haven't played enough of the game to really give a full review, but so far so good. I think whether I really enjoy the game or not will reveal itself within the next ten or twenty hours of gameplay because I'm still exploring it and getting a feel for it. And the systems are still so new to me that when something happens, I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Mm. But I haven't, I haven't seen through the gameplay to know what, the, the, what are the cogs turning behind it. And once I figure out what those cogs are with a lot of these strategy games, that can be the point where you lose interest or 
or if I or fall in love with it. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I'll report back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how that goes. So far, I'm really, really enjoying it. So, Cody, thank you for buying that game for me because it's super up my alley. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a really nice treat to to play that game that I've been wanting to play for um, a number of years, but just have always been talking myself out of buying so um it's nice to have friends i see (laughs) so uh you've been gifted some games as well by our friend i did santa claus by santa cody yeah Um, it's kind of funny because i I didn't have anything on my wish list Hmm. Uh, basically uh i think i had like ultimate doom on my wish list Hmm. and it went on sale for like two or three dollars or something like last year sometime and i went oh okay i'll grab it for three bucks Mm -hmm. got a couple Mm -hmm. other things and nothing's piqued my interest enough where (laughs) i want to go on steam and say Yes, I want this game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he gifted me two games. Mm-hmm. Number one, uh, Goat Simulator. <laughs> now I've seen people play Goat Simulator before, and it looks like a whole bunch of fun. Yeah, it looks like it's kind of like up my alley because there's no kind of point. It's just that you are simulating being a goat. It's like GTA, except you're a goat. Yeah, is how I would describe it. And it looks and it sounds <laughs> fun. Like I, I really want to try that game. Yeah, yeah. And the other game he got me. Uh, hang on, I, I wrote it down. I'm not familiar with the game. Uh, it's called Final Fancy Seven. Oh, Final Fancy Seven. Yeah, and it uh, apparently was very popular on the Snation Play One. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love that console. Is that one of those role-playing games? I heard that like it's got some guy who yells at a cloud mm. or something. His name is Grandpa Simpson. Yeah, I've never really been a big fan of those. No, no, I, I don't. He's, I like shooters. He seems to be compensating for something because his sword is huge, <laughs> massive. It's got a wee willy winky. That's a very good point. <laughs> So it was Final Fantasy VII, which I didn't even know had come out on platforms other than the PlayStation 1. Yeah. Uh, I told Maria this. Mm -hmm. Maria went nuts and went, oh my God, that's so cool. Cody's such the the best guy ever. But Mm -hmm. I I responded to Cody saying, thank you very much for Goat Simulator and the other game. I will (laughs) love playing Goat Simulator. (laughs) Look, I think... I think he's probably look. Part of me feels that the reason he gave you that game was just to make you play it. No, no, no. There is a, there, there's no part of the reason. Yeah. The whole reason is that he gifted me this game because I took a dig at Final Fantasy. Yeah, I called yeah. it. Um, what was it? What did you say? There was like it was like Dragon Quest for babies. Or yeah, something like that? it was Dragon Quest Light. Is what I call Final That's Fantasy. So uniquely targeted. It's like the nuclear missile aimed at the hearts <laughs> of the people who love that series. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've mocked Final Fantasy a lot over the years, but I actually have a genuine... You've actually played them. I have Yeah, I have a genuine fondness for Seven, though. Yeah. I thought, I, look, I'll put it to you this way, and this is more for the listeners than for you, but just play up to the Honeybee Inn, and if you can't get past that, then that'll be good enough. <laughs> you just, as long as you get to the Honeybee Inn and do all that and explore that to the extent. And the thing is, like, I hear mm. Seven's good, mm. and I, I see Seven reference so much, and I do actually want to give it a fair shake. Yeah. But it's a time commitment. It is, yeah. Um, yeah. But now that it's now that I have it in my Steam library and I don't necessarily have to play it on PS One, mm. I get this sinking feeling that Maria, because we want we've been looking for a game to play together, mm. Mm. that she's probably going to choose that one. Mm. Look, man, you could do worse. I could do worse. I, I, I it's not a sinking feeling. I do want to play that game. Mm. Uh, it is probably a bit overhyped, so I would say go in there, like it, try and ignore everything you've heard about the game and just experience it as it is. Yeah. Because if you go in there thinking, oh, this is one of the best games ever that's made. That's why I want to might be disappointed. You know? That's why I want to play it with Maria because yeah. she's a lot more familiar with the systems than I am. Yeah, it might be good to have her sitting shotgun to kind of like guide you through some of the, like the obtuse stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, like it's pretty straightforward that 
the materia system is like one of the rpg systems that's a little hard to grasp but once you get your head around it it's very cool because it's this idea of like mixing different kinds of spells yeah and like that is a cool idea like you might have a fire spell right like a gem with like fire and then you combine that with a gem with all and then you combine those two it means that when you cast fire it hits all your enemies not just one I'm already confused or you can like do like reflect and like it'll reflect spells that are cast at you back onto your enemies yeah. and there's this ways of mixing these gems that can create some really interesting spells so I'm, yeah. I'm genuinely like I do, I do want to give it a go I want yeah. to give it a fair shake as I said it might take me a little bit of time like all these things do I get, I get around to all games eventually I am mm. a very patient man because I am a retro gamer yeah so I, you know I, I do get around to playing a lot of these things um, I did uh, so thank you very much, Cody. Mm. I should say um, I did. Uh, Undertale was um, mm-hmm. was on sale as well. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, it was only like uh, f- you know five bucks or something. It was fifty percent off, and I went. Oh, I've heard so many good things about this game. If it's not special, I want to have it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that I kind of wanted to get it for my Vita mm. because it'd be good to have something like that on the go. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's more expensive on PSN than it is on Steam, of course. So sure. I was kind of like going, oh, should I, shouldn't I? And then I noticed that um, it was on Cody's uh, wish list. Mm. So I went, oh, well, that'll be good. I'm, and I gifted that to Cody. So that's nice. from both of us. So he got Undertale. Yeah. I'm sure he will enjoy that. I will get it at some stage. Like, I'm in no hurry because I've got a whole bunch of other games I need to play first. Totally. Yeah. It's been one, it's been on my radar for a bit. And it seems like it's, like, unique. Yeah. And uh, I like the idea behind it. That's for sure. There's a few kind of quirky games like like that I've, I want to check out because they're doing something different. And I yeah. think that's one of them that, like, I may not necessarily... Like, some of the things people said about the game, I'm like, oh, it's a bit of a turn off. But... Just the fact that it is so unusual um, definitely might be worth a look in. Uh, so I thought I might mention what I got when I was overseas. Yeah, okay. um, I got I, I got uh, Goemon or Gombare Goemon for Super Famicom. Oh wow, okay. Uh, and that is like a Konami kind of overhead that turns into a platformer. That game is bloody hard. Okay. Uh, I want to play it via the Game Freak so I can save my state. Sorry, the Retro Freak. So mm. I can save my state as I'm going because it's a bit difficult to start over every time. Or at least... I think you can save your progress, but it still points you back at the very beginning of that world. Is that the game that came out in the US as like Mr. Kabuki or something like that? Or is that a different... Oh, I'm not sure, actually. I know that yeah. it was on the uh, the Super Famicom Mini, mm. like as opposed to our... Super Nintendo Mini. Yeah, okay. It was one of the games that was different, along with a soccer game for whatever reason. I just have this memory that Goemon is like one of those characters that got brought over to the West in a really messed up way, where they lo- like they lost I'm all the stuff. I'm not sure if it was. I think there is a game. Mr. Called- Kabuki was like actually totally not about a Kabuki guy. It was about just it was this. Super- that was a Famicom game, but I don't yeah. think it was Goemon. I think Goemon was never a released thing, in, yeah. in the states. I think I do know the one that you're. Um- I just remember like. Mr. Kabuki was this thing where, like, they decided that Western audiences wouldn't grasp the history of this character. Yeah. And and just, he looks like he's in a Kabuki place, so we'll call him Mr. Kabuki. Like, just the most superficial, like, shitty... Yeah, but I think it was... It may have had a similar name in Japan. I can't quite remember. Okay, yeah. So, it wasn't... I, I do know the game very vaguely, what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, but yeah. it, um... I'm getting... Con- I'm probably just yeah, making yeah. our listeners confused at this point, yeah. but... Uh, so, hmm. um... I, I got another couple of things. I got uh, some PlayStation 1 games. Uh, I've been trying to collect the whole Namco Museum. Wow, okay. Which spells M A 
M-C-O and then the uh, registered trademark oh, on wow. the disc afterwards. So there's like <laughs> six of them. Okay. I have one, two, three, four and uh, Encore, which is number six now, which is pretty cool. And this is like, you know, Namco's history of arcade games, basically. And they're all arcades. Hmm. And, you know, they're all, a lot of them are early arcades like Pac-Man and Tower of Duraga. Mm-hmm. Some of them may be the Famicom versions, but my brain doesn't quite know the full history. But a lot of them are presented as arcade games. Hmm. So I've been having fun just kind of, you know, flipping through those and playing some uh, some interesting old Namco games, which I've never played before. Yeah, man. Namcot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the Namcot games. Uh, I just, I had a lot of fun... Like with compilation discs, mm. um, so I want to collect the whole series, and then I, I might do like a, a special on that. Sure, that'd be fun. Yeah, um, I I did get some other games over there as well. I got Tekken Two, uh, which is one of the better Tekken, you know, one of the early better Tekken games. I think it's like Tekken One refined a bit better. Yeah, uh, and I, I like Tekken for its wackiness. You know, it's like it's got it like a super serious storyline, which makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> If you've ever played those games. Yeah, they're quite crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I got... Uh, so there were only two... I didn't play a lot of these games before or even after I got back because I was busy. Mm. Um, and even if I had a spare minute, I wanted to spend that with Maria. Mm. Mm. I did get two games which I did actually spend a bit of time playing. Okay. Uh, one of which was Batman for Game Boy. And I spent a lot of the plane trip home just playing that game now Batman is a really early 1989 maybe early 90s release wow for the Game Boy okay so quite early in the- quite early yeah. um, but it is a solid platformer and it's mm. very similar to Super Mario Land wow really so yeah, yeah yeah you can tell it's Batman despite the fact that the the um, the sprite for Batman is incredibly small and it follows the movie uh uh, you know, in a roundabout way, okay. you start off at the chemical plant and then you kind of progress through. I got to, I think I got to the levels after the chemical plant, which was like a world. But then uh, there was a bit of turbulence and I bumped the game and it froze and I had to restart it. No battery backup. Oh, God. Uh, so That's I so annoying. <laughs> but Damn it. I really was enjoying playing mm. that game because I really feel like it's a solid kind of platformer. Okay, cool. Um, the other game that... Is a series I've kind of been meaning to get back into, solely because you can play it in incredibly short bursts. Yeah, yeah. And that is the um, that is the WarioWare Inc. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I already actually owned this game, which is made in Wario. Um, it, it's just like a whole collection of very short uh, mini games, sure. basically, okay. and then you know. You've everyone, most people out there have played Wario. Like when I say mini games, I mean micro games. Like they last yeah. each kind of game lasts for like one or two seconds before the timer runs out. You got to figure out what you got to do, and then you got to do it. Yeah, they're great games. Very yeah. quickly, and so yeah. like for my attention span and for the amount of time that I have, it 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 actually equals up very very well for me. Nice. I didn't realize they were on the Game Boy Advance. I thought like DS was the start of that stuff, but uh, uh so I've got the yeah. I've got the DS, I've got the Wii, I've got the uh you and I have played through the Wii version. Yeah, that was good fun. Yeah, actually. yeah. We used to play that a lot uh back when you first got back from Japan. Yeah, when I first got a Wii, we played mm-hmm. that and I think mm-hmm. we finished it pretty quickly. These games aren't hard. You can breeze through them in a couple of hours if you're 
proficient enough at the games. <laughs> yeah. How good are you at picking noses and throwing basketballs, basically? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> basically, yes. Yeah. That is basically what it boils down to. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of retro uh, themes in the game. Like yeah. they, they, they bring back a whole lot of Famicom stuff and um, yeah. Super Famicom kind of mini games of Zelda and Mario. And I got uh, a new Game Boy Advance and I got it boxed. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, the, the Game Boy Advanced Micro. So the really small one. Right. But this one is the Famicom 20th anniversary special. So it came out in 2003. I guess okay. or something or wow. maybe it was 25th actually it would have been 25th anniversary I think mm. so okay so 2008 uh, and these things just look like a mini Famicom like with the same color design and everything this one was in really good condition wow yeah and I already actually owned the Japanese cart uh, for Game Boy Advance for Made in Wario but it was 100 yen and I really wanted to try out my new system so I just bought this <laughs> and then I got addicted to the gameplay all over again nice yeah those games are very good so I kind of want to go back and play it on GameCube next but I think the games are very very similar in that game I think they might almost be identical to the Game Boy Advance version I can't mm. quite remember though okay but I'll, uh, I think it might still even be called Made in Wario. Wow. Warrior Wearing or something. So I, I'm looking forward to going back and playing some of those games with my short attention span. Totally. They're perfect for that. Yeah, like the scenario where you don't have a lot of time and you need something you can just pick up and put down again. Like WarioWare is, is perfect for that. So It was, yeah. yeah. And it's just, you know, in a bunch of interesting characters. I think it, the series has kind of wandered away from its roots and hasn't gone back because I, I think they just ran out of ideas of mini games basically micro games mm. the one thing i will mention uh is that i got a ps vita tv or ps tv or vita tv i think it's called in japan okay what that is is basically a tiny little box mm-hmm. with hdmi output and a controller usb input for uh, playstation right which you can use vita games and use them on your television oh nice okay yep yep and you can access the ps um the, you know the playstation store etc etc so the good thing is you can finally record or stream vita games yeah yeah that's right because usually you're stuck with this real issue if you don't have a capture kit you're pretty much up to creek mm. so yeah okay and it is I went through it the other day and because not all Vita games are compatible Mm, mm. because the Vita has a touchscreen. So I went through my little library of Vita games of which I have about eight to ten, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, Persona 4 Golden works. Nice. Persona 4 Dancing All Night works. Okay. Um, Muramasa, which we need to do for an upcoming uh, podcast. That works. Like Mm. it's a beat-em-up. I have Dragon Crown for that. That uh, I kind of want to play with you because you can play two player for that. Yeah, I want to check it out for a while. Actually. Maybe we could do that. I'm yeah. not sure if it's PlayStation only or if it's available on Steam. Maybe we should check that out. I think it might be. A, it's hmm, it yeah. is a uh, it, it's kind of got a you know that Capcom beat 'em up feel to them, but it's also the females in that game are yes. generously proportioned to the to the point of oh god, really? It attracted <laughs> a lot of. It, it targeted scorn? a lot of scorn because yeah. of that, because of the the visual. The, well, yeah, the representation of women in that game was um, 
very like stylized let's say it's very fantasy there's a particular male fantasy there yeah it's kind Uh, of like if you look at the side of a van like one of those like kind of conan the barbarian uh, vans with like bucks and women but you took like a magnifying glass over the tits and it just made it look almost grotesque it's like gravity has to kick in at some point (laughs) i'm sorry i feel like if that game came out 10 years earlier people wouldn't have battled an island yeah but uh, in the current climate, it's it's uh, yeah, it goes against the grain, at least in the West, certainly. So yeah, that came out like five years ago or something. But now. I think, and I have finished that game with with Elchar. From what I've heard, um, because it is that sort of like it's in the vein of Golden Axe, and yeah. so I'm immediately interested. Yeah, in playing it, um, and my yeah, like yes, I have a complex relationship with the with cartoon boobies. Let's say, <laughs> you know, it's like yes, I. I I hate him and love him at the same time. So, <laughs> so it'd be interesting to check that check that out because I think it would help me to sort of explore some of those ideas, but also just play a game that's attracted a lot of like critique, but also like praise and criticism. And yeah, it is a, an Atlas game. Yeah, it is. It, I should say, like Atlas, who did make Persona Four and everything like that. Yeah, the Persona franchise and Catherine. So we should uh, we should check that out maybe at one stage. Yeah, it'd be interesting to try and walk the tightrope of talking about that game without getting ourselves into trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the the, the VTV <clears throat> was released in the West. Mm. Nobody cared about it. I don't think anyone really cared about it in Japan that much. I do like the fact that I can use a lot of my Vita games on a large screen mm. uh, because my eyesight is getting so terrible now. Yeah. And I do love the Vita. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's uh, 720p, I think, so it looks good enough. You know, I was like, I'm not going to complain about the, um, you know, about the pixel size there. It looks, it looks fine to me considering it's beaming like a, a very tiny screen onto a very large screen. Yeah. And, you know, the PSV, the TV doesn't have a screen at all. But the one thing that bugged me about this is uh, I like Everybody's Golf. Mm-hmm. PlayStation's franchise Everybody's Golf by mm-hmm. Clap Hands. And I got the PS Vita version. Uh, and I put it in there and I thought, oh, well, this has got to work because it's PlayStation. And I said, this is not on the list of PS Vita games like that will oh, work on the PS on the TV. Vita TV. Yeah, that's annoying. And it's like, what? I don't remember there being any touch elements because like if there's a touch element, you can't mm. use that on the on the, on the the Vita TV. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember there being any elements. And it's a PlayStation only game and it's like a game mm. that a lot of people would have and it's like not you can't play this game it's weird like they did, maybe they just didn't do the do the work to make it compatible maybe or yeah i mean i can't remember for sure but it just bugged me a bit it's like they yeah. could have even changed it slightly so it would work you would expect not- that at the very least all the ps exclusives would be what would work yeah exactly um and it didn't and i just that's why one of the reasons I hate Sony sometimes yeah. is that like they they release these things and put no faith in them or no work into yeah, them yeah nintendo has you know, yes, they do miss. They make missteps. This is let's be clear. Mm. They do. They do make missteps, but they kind of like go whole hog on them. You know, they at least double down on it. They're like, yeah, this was a mistake, but who cares? We're gonna like really see this. They're gonna see this through. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like um, with the Wii U, they they didn't aban- they mm, abandoned yeah. it eventually, but they released like one of the best games ever, Super Mario uh, Maker, on it. Yeah, they could have pulled the plug earlier, but yeah. they saw it. They saw it through, and I think you know people say, oh wow, that that was quick, but it's not actually. When you look back at the history of consoles, the Wii U had a pretty much an average lifespan. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the the time between the uh, the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo sixty four, it's yeah. like five or six years, most yeah. absolute maximum. Yeah, and I think what was the Wii, the Wii U came out in what like two thousand and ten? 
11, I think, maybe? Yeah, yeah. so about a four or five, no, five it was or about, six years. It was, it was about five years. Yes, like that's, four that's, or five years, yeah. that's a good run. You know? It's an okay, like it didn't do gangbusters. People treat the Wii U like it was a disaster. And it kind of was. But it wasn't like a virtual boy disaster. No, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> like, it was just, it just was a, it just didn't didn't capture people's mm. imaginations um, exactly and yeah. i think that's it should be remembered that they you know like i have two uh we use now yeah i want one as a backup because it's going to be difficult to repair those things after yeah you're so right after uh you know because nintendo's not going to support it for very much longer but there are some great games on there which i want yeah. to keep playing i think it's a real shame but anyway i'm um, this is not yeah. big, big so anyway how about we end on so that's, that's basically what i got in japan i probably got another <laughs> couple of things but um I, I won't keep going on i kind of want to hear about your adventures with uncharted 4 because you finished that game <clears throat> yeah maybe we'll wrap the you podcast s- up with this saw it through because we are getting a bit long in the tooth but yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about uncharted 4 and then we'll Sure. Bring yeah. it to an end. Yeah, so I <clears throat> I bought Uncharted 4 um, in December before before my uh, holiday. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've been a super huge fan of Uncharted. Um, to give you a very brief history of my, of my time with the series, just for context, um, Uncharted 2 was a pack-in with my PlayStation 3. I did not buy Uncharted 2 deliberately. It just came with my PlayStation. So after I'd finished playing Red Dead Redemption, I was like, well, I'll try out this pack-in game and see what it's like. And it blew me away in a massive way. I was just like, oh my God, this game is so good. How did I not know this game is amazing? And then I went and bought three and loved it. And then I went back and bought Uncharted 1 and played through that just to sort of complete my experience of the season of the game. And yeah, like Uncharted 1 was, um, you know, flawed, but um, loved two, loved three. Um, so I was really excited for four, but because of various reasons, including financial and just generally not having time, I didn't play Uncharted Four when it came out. Mm. So I'm very much behind the ball here. But here's my very late review of Uncharted Four, huh. um, many many years after its release. Um, so when did it first come out? It, came, it was it came out uh, twenty ooh, 2016 Okay, yep. I want to say it was not it wasn't a launch game for the PS4, but it came out pretty soon after it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> came out and was very hotly anticipated um i guess my to really boil the review down i liked it <laughs> um okay yep that's okay so we <laughs> praise from uh yeah game life balance australia's rob yeah it's it's good it's a good uncharted game um it's it's very much it's a refined version of uncharted but it is still uncharted yeah you know and so if you've played an Uncharted game and you liked it, well, this is more of the same. And if you'd played an Uncharted game before and you didn't like it, well, this game's not going to change your opinion. So it's more of the same. Yeah, it's just more of the same, but done better. Um, with, I mean, the visuals are amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that's really marked the series out. It's always been very, very good looking. And Naughty Dog seems to know how to, like get every last little ounce of power out of a PlayStation. They really try to wring it dry, yeah. don't they? It's like, they know all the tricks of the trade. Totally. They know the console back and forth, and they know how to, like, just get every last little droplet of graphics out of it. So the, the game just looks amazing. And, you know, it's the frame rate is wonderful. So you pl- it's just a really great time, visually and, and, and sort of aesthetically. Uh, it is a, you know... Uh, Indiana Jones knockoff. All the Uncharted games have been trying to do that Indiana Jones thing. You know, like ancient ruins, mysteries. He's even got a little notebook 
like straight up out of Last Crusade, where he like scribbles down drawings of things. Oh wow! So it's, it's kind of like uh, like yeah. a Doctor Jones's diary. Yeah, or something. and you can yeah. open, you can press like one of the buttons to open up the book and flip through it. Yeah, and as you go, it gets more and more entries, and some of the entries are useful for solving puzzles and things like that. So it's very, very, it's very much trying to evoke that feel. Because um, I'm a massive fan of Indiana Jones, that appealed to me in a big way. Yeah. But the thing that makes the games really good um, is the uh, the dialogue, the direction, the voice acting, the pacing. Um, it feels like a movie in a way that most games don't. And even games that... And a lot of people say, oh, this game feels like a movie. Yeah, yeah, fine. Uncharted 4 does that better. Uncharted, yeah. All the Uncharted games do the this game is like a movie better than any other game I've ever played and to be fair not everyone wants that not everyone wants no. a game that feels like a movie but no. for certain people who really like the idea of a game that playing feels like a movie a, yeah you know, that's that's definitely a good thing totally and 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 it does that very very well and uncharted 4 is the pinnacle of that um the downside of a game being like a movie is that it has a linear structure it's trying to tell you a very particular story and um and there's no real opportunity to deviate from that that storyline, yeah. which is fine. I mean, not not every game has to be an open-ended, you know, your choices matter type of thing. Um, the real problem with the game is that they prioritize the story and progressing in the story and, and the movie-like components, like the awe, the visual awe and spectacle of what you're seeing is more important than than gameplay. Mm. or the game being challenging like the real argument the real criticism you can make of all the uncharted games is that the challenge is low you know it's it's not that they're easy like there are points where it'll drive you nuts there's points where the combat is really really annoying um, it, it sounds like it might be something that I could give it a go at some stage. Totally. Just because it's, like, it's easy enough with modern control yeah. schemes, which I usually hate. In fact, hate. the control scheme is super-duper easy and not at all overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, you're mainly hitting X. Um, cause <laughs> okay, like, I can do that. So most of the... So the game is really divided up into three... There's three kind of things that happen in the game. One is cutscenes. Yep. And there's lots, and they're very good. They're very well done. I mean, I can't stress enough how good the voice acting is. Yeah. I can't stress enough. Um, Nolan North, isn't it? Yeah, Nolan North. Yeah, but the whole cast is fantastic, and they seem to have really good direction, you know, because having a good actor is not enough. Like, there's plenty of, like, Hollywood actors that have been in games, and the games suck. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because they don't have the good direction. Yeah. Um, but it's really convincing. And even though it, like, you step back and go, this is really silly. But when you're in it, like, it, it there's a good um, suspension of disbelief, you know, and you get... Well, that's so- what you want in a game like that. Yeah. Like, that's when you're, kind of what you want in any game to be immersed. If, if it's kind of a story or mm. action-driven kind of, you know, cinematic experience. Yeah, yeah. And so that, that, they do that very well. Um, so there's... So the first thing, like, a, a large part of the game is cutscenes and dialogue and things. So stuff like that. Second thing is climbing. So yep. a lot... Um, the big sort of gameplay thing is the climbing mechanics, which are straight out of Uncharted 1. They've, they've refined them and they've added some new things to them as the series has progressed. Um, but a large part of the game is you climbing um, very imposing structures, cliff faces or walls or... Yeah, and, 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 it's, and it's all about... Climbing like, is synonymous with uh, the Uncharted series a lot of the time. And it's um, all about that sense of vertigo and that sense of like scale. Yeah. And I would say the climbing is better than the Zelda climbing. But the Zelda climbing has more of a challenge and more of a consequence to it. Because in Uncharted, if you miss a ledge 
or you know you if your grappling hook doesn't hit the thing on time yeah. you die but then you just come straight back like it just it, it auto saves a lot and you just back where you were 10 seconds ago like you don't lose a lot of progress yeah yeah so it's not punishing you it can be a quite different but you're not yeah. a, you, you if you die on a cliff you don't usually start back on the side of a cliff you start yeah. a bit earlier than that yeah so. so it's a bit more punishing yeah. whereas uncharted there's very little punishment there's very little risk if you like in, in, in the in the platforming. Because I guess what yeah. they want to do is basically keep advancing the story so you don't get bored. Yeah. Because if you had to do the same thing over and over again, you might kind of realize, hang on a minute. Yes. This, isn't, this is, has nowhere near the depth of gameplay that I want out of a game. Totally. And I'll, I'll get to that in just a second because that's one thing I really wanted to mention. Yep. Is that exact point you made. The third thing the game does is combat. And the combat is, is pretty good. I mean, the first game, the original Uncharted, it was pretty dicey. Uncharted 2 was a lot better. Three improved again, and I think four, they've really got it down to a good formula where the combat is actually fun now. Where it used to be annoying, I think the combat now is quite fun. And they've introduced some elements from, um, uh, what's the game called? Last of Us. Um, With like some of the combat mechanics in Last of Us where it's contextual, like if you're near... A washing machine or something you'll grab them and slam their head into the ah, washing machine okay something yeah, like cool. that like yeah. it has a bit of that um some good stealth mechanics um you know like a lot of the combat scenarios like oh here's 12 mercenaries they don't know you're here can you kill them all without setting off the alarm and, and usually you end up alerting one of them and then it turns into this firefight yeah the firefights are quite good though there's pretty simple com- like cover mechanics like it's a cover shooter so hit circle to go behind something pop up and shoot and pop back down again like time crisis or something like that you know um combat's good you know i mean the thing is that the gameplay is not really the strong point of the game i would say the combat's good the climbing's good but it's that first thing i mentioned the story the dialogue the pacing the comedy yeah. is just a1 and no other game has done it better and nice. and they still are the leaders in a cinematic experience yeah so the one criticism now this is all i'm going to say about the game yep the last thing i'm going to say is that the 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 flaws of the game of the uncharted games are becoming more apparent to me now i've played four of them now and the things i didn't like about uncharted 2 which is my first experience i mean they're still there it's still it's still there and like i put it to you this way remember how in sonic like for the mega drive or Genesis, if you're American. Yeah. Um, it's a really fun game until Sonic hits something. And then all of a sudden you lose all your rings and the momentum disappears. And you're like, oh, now I've got to like pick up speed again and get back into the groove. Yeah. And that's what Uncharted is like. Because when everything's flowing smoothly and you're like climbing the thing and shooting the guy and it's all very exciting and you're sliding down a cliff and grapple hooking and swinging and Nathan Drake's going, whoa. It's like all this crazy stuff happens. Sta- crazy stuff. I love happens it when he does it. that. You know, he, there's a lot of whoa. That's yeah. pretty much ninety percent of his like lines in the. <laughs> um, when that's happening, it's really good. But the moment you die a few times, especially if you die on the same thing over and over again, it takes you out of it. Okay, it breaks the like, momentum. Yeah, totally. And okay. you just realize this is a game, and I've got to do this very specific thing. And then once you're over that little like you know roadblock, then you're back into the fun, and it's fun again. But every time that happens, it's jarring. And it's almost like I kind of wish the game was easier, even though that would make it less of a game. Yeah. <laughs> because it would it would mean there'd be less moments like that. It, it um, kind of, you you know, it takes... I, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing it already does that a lot, where it, it substitutes a bit of... 
mm. you know, uh, a bit of complexity just for the flow of the gameplay. Totally, yeah. So and you can move on to the next part of the story. It's almost like there's this conflict between them, like, are we making a movie or a game? And, yeah. like, whenever they try and make it more of a game, that leads to them making it challenging, yeah. which leads to you dying, which leads to the movie part being less effective. So it's it's always this kind of, like, like I don't know, like tension between these two goals. So it's never fully effective, and that's why I think the games will never be 10 out of 10 games for me. The best they can get is like a 9. That's all right, you though. Know. Like, that's still a solid game, yeah. I reckon. So it's, it's still a good game. Totally. As, I really, really uh, like it. Um, but it's not for everyone. But if you like cinematic, and it's not it's not normally the kind of thing I would like. I will normally like intellectual, deep, complex games. But it's good to have a mixture in there. Like, it's good to go yeah. and try other genres. Totally. And, you, know, you know, it's good to break it up sometimes. This and a cinematic my... game is kind of a good way to break up intense thinking uh, yeah. strategy games, I would imagine. When you just want a bit of, like, video game junk food. Yeah. That's what this game is. It's, okay. it's popcorn stuff, you so know? How long does it take you to get through a game? This game was a bit longer than the other ones, but some people have said that this game, like, dragged for them. I didn't feel like it dragged. I felt like it. the pacing was quite good. Probably about 15 hours, Okay. I would how say. How long would number two take to do? Shorter than that. Okay, 10. Maybe 10 finish. or 12. Okay. But they're very well paced, and, and there's never a point where you feel like, oh, come on. There were well, there were some points towards the end of two where it was getting a bit challenging and I was dying a lot where I was like for fuck's sake yeah yeah but that was more just them ramping up the difficulty because hey it's a video game and you're at the you're end, at the end yeah. and it ought to be harder um, okay yeah That's, uh, it's something I might consider doing I reckon you should check it out AC I think I do have yeah. a PlayStation Three still and it still does work as far as I know because it's like my only Blu-ray player <laughs> I would say play two first okay. Because four, although it is probably the best starting point, because it's the most refined. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of references back to the old games. Okay. And you won't. You'll be like, "What the hell are they talking about?" You won't get the gravitas of four. Without, I'll, I'll probably give yeah. two a go first because that seems like a good kickoff point. A lot of the story in four plays on this concept that he's done a lot of stuff and he's been through a lot of things. Yeah. Without having experienced that it won't hit you the same way so mm. okay so uh we have uh barreled towards the end of the podcast yeah i'm just gonna mention a couple of things here mm-hmm. uh number one is that i might be recalled to japan at any minute yeah uh, basically when when it's terako's time if or even if it's a bit before and we know i will try and get back there as soon as possible i have a very limited amount of time i can take off work mm. so i need to kind of be there for maria you know, in the most important moments that I can be, which is probably going to be after. Yes. Uh, yeah. So if all of a sudden there's a guest star or there's a bit of a break in transmission, <laughs> yes. uh, I'd like to uh, apologize in advance, but that's just the way it goes. Yeah. Um, yep. You never know. I might be able to do something like with Rob from over there, but uh, chances are low. Mm. Uh, mm. So, you know, there might be a break or there might be, you know, I guess uh, we'll just see. We'll play it by ear. But I just wanted to mention that this year. Uh, so this is the first episode of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, so this year we have a couple of things coming up. Yeah. Uh, number one, we have applied to join the Gunner Geek Network, yes. which our American counterpoints, uh, American sister show, I should say. Yeah. Um, have applied to as well. Uh, have a, ha, are already a member of the network. Yes, they have been a member for quite some time. There are founding members. I think Cody is a founding member of that. Actually, yeah, we want no favoritism there. If we get rejected, it will be on the merits of we 
got rejected for the good reason that we swear way too much. Well, there, might, there are numerous reasons why we might be rejected. <laughs> That's probably a big one. And I, yeah, so don't. There's no. There's no guarantees. We may very well be knocked back, and, and that's fine. And we have, know that some people yeah. on the Gunner Geek Network do already listen to us, so thank you very much for that. Yeah, um, we are planning to get a little <laughs> bit bigger. Like we want to mm. increase our, you know, our listener base a little bit. We don't. Wanna, we don't want to be huge. Like yeah. that's not. That's not the point of this. No, the point is. But we, you know, we want to. We want to reach more ears. Well, I think we would. Be, no one records a podcast for no one to listen to it. We all want people to listen to our shows and it would be nice to get some more listeners and yeah you know, so, so we're gonna see what we, we can we do might shill ourselves a little bit more and, yeah. and, and see what we can do in that aspect we will sell out like <laughs> oh if we could have done that we would have sold out years ago yeah uh and i think the third thing on my wish list of things to do is i do want to get all four members of game life balance together for one big large podcast yeah a kind of super show if you will yeah that would get out of hand super quickly but i reckon it would be fun just to even attempt to totally. do something like that yeah yes i think and uh yes we should do that because uh, i'm more available than ever <laughs> yeah okay so now might be the, the right time to do it so thank you very much for listening to two hours of game life balance australia episode 50 that's our excuse for running really long episode 50 Whoa. that's right it's the spectacular or something uh it was really good for rob and i to catch up because we usually catch up on these things it was good to get back in the groove a little bit after um you know our both of our shocking kind of uh, holiday seasons yeah not not the most relaxed chris kringle came and kicked us in the nuts yeah <laughs> That was um, a good Christmas present. Yeah. I, I did I did need my nuts to be kicked, I suppose. <laughs> I, I like that baby. The nutcracker sweet. <laughs> uh, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, catch us on the web at GameLifeBalanceAustralia.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, catch the American guys at GameLifeBalance.us. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, I'm on uh, Twitter at ProdTally. And our official, official... Twitter is game lie no GLB Australia at GLB Australia. That's right. So I'm at Prod Tally. Uh, the GLB Australia account is going to get a bit of a swift kick because I think it needs it. Yes, uh, we're going to rejuge it. We're we're gonna, gonna, we're gonna we need to rejuge it because I am not good at zhuzhing <laughs> and I really need to be rejuged. <laughs> so there will be a zhuzh coming up. I don't even know what that word means. I don't think anyone else does either. But thank you very much for listening. 